gone insane. An upside-down civilization cannot be real. A world of madness and terror. It's the Dana Gould Hour. Summer in Los Angeles goes down kicking and screaming, and October arrives like a cool hand on my fevered brow. Even if it's still hot, there's pictures of witches everywhere, and that makes me happy. And there's bags of fun-sized candy bars at every grocery store checkout counter, stacked up like sugar-packed sandbags, braced against a flood of costumed youth. Today's guests are Eddie Pepitone, back from London, and Monica Scott, back from the brink. And you'll know of what I speak when you hear her tell it. Each interview piled high with hilarity and fascinating anecdotes, stacked up against the wall of your free time like... Hang on. It's official. This analogy has been canceled. You can follow Eddie Pepitone on Twitter at at Eddie Pepitone and see his film The Bitter Buddha wherever fine films are downloaded. And Monica Scott at at Mighty Monica, Monica with a K. Me? I'm at Dana J. Gould. If you'd like to see me live, I will be available for viewing in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis-St. Paul at the Acme Comedy Club, one of my favorite places, October 10th, 11th, and 12th. Then I will be going to Atlanta, Georgia for the Laughing Skull on November 7th, 8th, 9th, and 10th, if you're good. If you have a television, my new special, I Know It's Wrong, premieres on Showtime November 1st. And then, don't unplug it, Frank Darabont's Mob City premieres in early December, details to follow. But for now, sit back, relax, listen to the show, and for God's sakes... Plan your costume. Joining me at the mic today is Eddie Pepitone. This is the sound of my voice. Hi, Eddie. Hi, Dana. How what, are you? I'm well. What'd you do this summer? I went to London. Ooh, that's awesome. How about you? My life collapsed. Oh, well, let me tell you about London. Please do. Um, I did a three-week run mm-hmm. at the Soho Theater. Really? And Yes. And they put me up, the, the, oh, the theater owners put me up. Now, how many is that sitting? Um, th- there's a bunch of rooms there. And, of course, I had the smallish room. Sure. Uh, I think they said 150. That's beautiful. Yeah. And I'm- by the end of the run, were you the talk of the town? By the end of the run, it was three, four folks who were in there. No, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, no it, w- it went well. Yeah, sure. It went well. I did. I did think, you know, in my head, of course, I was like going to be, you know, airlifted across Great right. Britain with people, you know. Showering you in Britannia. Have some jam booties. <laughs> we saw you on telly. A statue of me next to Churchill. <laughs> Stay calm and be manic instead of stay calm and <laughs> carry on. Stay calm and be manic. That's my saying. Keep calm and fret. Keep calm and fret. <laughs> keep calm and fret quietly. Everyone knows you can't keep calm and carry on. Uh, <laughs> but it was interesting, man. It was, it was interesting because... Your first time in England? Uh, basically, yes. Yes, let me say that. Because I was there for a day when I did Edinburgh the yeah. summer before and screened. You're just changing, pl- changing planes at Heathrow doesn't count. As well, I, I screened a movie there, so 
Oh, right. I, I had one day took a train to and fro Edinburgh. Oh, that's lovely. That's a long train ride. It's four hours. Yeah, was, Edinburgh to London? Pretty long. That's only four hours? Only four hours. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Um, so anyway. That's like was... Boston to Putney. <laughs> Putney, how is, uh, is Putney Putney, still... Vermont? The People's Republic oh. of Putney? Ah. So it was interesting because it was six shows a week. It was uh, 8 o'clock every night, or 7.45 actually, kind of early. Yeah. Like, and you know this. I've done an eight-show-a-week eight show run, and it is thankless and brutal. Yeah, why is that? Like, like, and, and this is all I got. No opener. This is it. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, or actually it was like this. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Eddie Pepperton. <laughs> Did you have a small Asian man yes. as your house announcer? I had a small and he didn't Latin have a, man. Oh, I was going to say. Because even like if you watch the old Bond movies with Sean Connery, all the Asians have looped British accents that they put in later. <laughs> so when you only live twice, you have this computer <laughs> bank and an empty volcano manned with these Asian guys. And then the guy opens his mouth and it's like, four minutes and counting. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they would because it was always like, uh, <laughs> and that's all I got, man. Uh-huh. And, and, they, and they weren't stoked by that? <laughs> they were not. <laughs> and, uh, and also, as you know, to do comedy when it is still light out, yeah. I don't think, you know. Uh, they're antithetical. I always thought that once I left. They comedy were- like masturbation needs to happen in the darkness, mm. in a small, quiet room in front of 100 people. <laughs> Well, you could say that stand-up comedy is a form of masturbation. No doubt. And, no uh, doubt. You and, ever get really And it so- should be treated with the same respect. Well, in that sense that I had yeah. a good run. There should be uh, – in fact, to, to bring this symbolism full circle, I think that, you know, the traditional stage equipment of comedians is like a, a stool yes. and a glass of water. And I think that we should now have a well-folded old T-shirt. Just an old T-shirt. On You're this killing stool. me because right before the podcast, I, I masturbated. Right before the podcast, <laughs> not right, you know. <laughs> anyway, no, we're gonna I start in three, it. two. <laughs> so I would get that for an intro, and come on, and like you said, yeah, but they weren't stoked for that. So I tried a couple of things up top. Yeah. Like uh, one of my things was listen. I told my my small Latin man sound guy, crank the music really loud and then i'm gonna start screaming stop stop that's the wrong music stop stop oh that's funny and i did that and um the guy the guy stopped and then i was gonna say okay restart the music i want you to put on this music and he never did like he never got my stage direction so that went that went awry pretty quickly i went through a few openings Mm -hmm. but one thing i want to say is that the solo theater was a little bit of a uh, theater crowd, sure. Like because it was like an evening out. Yeah, it wasn't like I've done pubs in in Dublin. Yeah, I've done, and I did pubs on the run of this theater. Gig. Stand up is the people's art, and yeah. it needs no artifice. Yeah, it needs no theatrical artifice. I had to work hard, yeah. like Eric Bogosian. Eric Bogosian, yeah. very very talented. You see him in a theater, very very funny. You put him in a club, not so funny. No, right. Not yeah. so funny. Nothing against him. I like him. Yeah. I like him. I like all those people. Danny Hawk. I like them all. But you put him in a stand-up club, not the same. Totally true. Yeah. Which is not to say that every comedian is better than every solo performer, but they're not the same. Yeah, so I had to work a little bit to get them. And also the thankless part of it is that 
um, by week, the end of week two, it was just like every day going and doing. Oh, you wake up in the morning and your first thought is, oh, I got to do that goddamn show. <laughs> yeah. But how, and how long did you do? Uh, about 50 minutes. Okay. It was like a, that's good a, though. Yeah. It's good because, and you could do whatever you wanted. Yeah. yeah. When I was doing eight shows a week, I was doing a, a one man show that I written. It was basically 90 minutes long and it was like Whoa. first word to the last word scripted. Yeah. And that with yeah. lighting cues and, and direction, which it was a beautiful show, but oh God, it was fucking torture. Was that your insomnia yeah. thing? Yeah. Yeah. I felt like I came out of the experience a much better stand up. Sure, of course. I, How could I you not? Just, and that yeah. that was kind of cool. Like I just I just came out of that, like having to do it every night. I was out of my comfort zone. I was in another country. And now that, you know what that's funny. Do you know what thirty and thirty is? What is that? 30 and 30 is this thing that has been tried by people. It's a new mm-hmm. thing. It's a couple's counseling thing. This is not a joke. Okay. That you, I thought we were segueing into you. No, well, clearly not. Uh, you and your wife have sex 30 times in 30 days. You have sex every day. Is that right? Whether or not you want to or not. And it supposedly brings you But hold you it. Would together. the wife have to agree to this? Or, or it's rape. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. Okay. Yeah. I, no, I just want to. Yeah, 30 and 30. Yeah. And uh, supposedly by the end of it, it brings you closer. I think if you do 30, Holy you do something cow. every day for a month and you're going to have a better uh. understanding of it, said the guy <laughs> with no wife. <laughs> I ended the run in London. I went to Dublin and uh, did a show there, which was such a nice cap or two it was a mm. pub yeah perfect and they were so into it sure from the word yeah go. you at a pub in ireland and you in a theater in london are two swings of the pendulum have you done a bunch of performing in overseas yeah. um okay well only, I don't in know, Nor- only in north korea here's the thing about performing overseas for me is that like when i'm here performing i realize this may sound pretentious but i know what the knuckleheads in this country are thinking and seeing every day Mm -hmm. and how they've been raised. Now, when I go overseas, like when I was in London, I get a little thrown because I don't have my finger on the pulse of exactly what the zeitgeist is. I then do kind of prepared stuff. Yeah. And And I feel like I can't, what I found they really got a kick out of was me talking about how everybody in America has a gun. I have one on me now. If you don't laugh, me and my wife fuck each other at gunpoint. I'm like, fuck me. You better fuck me. And and they love that stuff because they think we are fucking crazy. I watched a comic there who was also- Well, that's why the French love Jerry Lewis. And this is, no, this is <laughs> oh, true. What? Really? Because the way that Jerry Lewis, when he was in spaz mode, yeah, that, that's their version of Americans. Oh. Like, they think that that's what an American is. Which is, is probably the why initial I, appeal of Jerry Lewis. You're right. because He the, is also the total filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> How is the Jer doing? The Jer? Um, <laughs> He's gotten out of the balloon stage. I know yes, that. Yes, he was very swollen because <laughs> yes! of steroids. Oh, why am I laughing at that? Did you get to make fun of their culture at all? Were they open to that? Uh, you know, I'm sure. Yes. Yes, they were. Yeah. 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 But you know, I but always, you have to make fun of yourself first. Totally. Like, That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Like That's I, a conversational rule anyway. 
<laughs> it's true. Like if you're, yeah, right. If you're arguing with somebody, right. you concede a point of theirs before you make their points. You know, it's like it is true that X, Y, Z, but you have sex with a bear. You know, exactly. But I want to say that you know, I'm going, I'm going to do Galway now. Um, there's a Galway comedy festival in, in like a month, and I'm going back to do that. So I feel like I've really kind of popped a cherry of my tentativeness overseas. Like uh-huh. I, I, ju- I, I just feel like I'm just going to do what I do, man, and, mm-hmm. and not get in. Yeah, they'll my catch head up. About it. They caught up with Dennis Leary. They caught up with Bill Hicks. Hicks, they adore. I know. Stuart Lee did this hilarious thing. He goes, ah, oh, Bill Hicks. Everybody reviews Bill Hicks. And then someone yelled out something like he's the best. And he goes, he was a coward. He died young. It's easy to have a great legacy when you die young. Each day, my legacy gets tarnished that I'm alive. He's such a funny dude. You should That's check brilliant. out Stuart Lee. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. He didn't kill himself. It's like I know, I know, but it was just so funny because he's so revered to hear someone take that opposite. Sure. You know, and also very funny how how it is hard as you get older to keep it is. churning out really good quality stuff. Well, it depends if you yeah. stay extant. I would counter as I always do, George Carlin. Very true, whose, man. Whose last special is one of my favorite ones. And you know what I hated? There were so many people who were saying, I don't like him. He's so angry now. I was like, <laughs> you. wouldn't you be fucking angry concept? too? Are you familiar with the concept of stand-up comedy? Yeah, like, like I would hear that a lot. He's so angry. Yay! <laughs> well, he had one special which was called Life is Worth Losing. It was actually <laughs> a negative title. It's quite brilliant in the sense mm-hmm. that it happened after his wife passed away and he uh, was literally clinically depressed. And he has yeah. like this hour long special about death and suicide. And, and <laughs> it's like this, it's not even like a stand up show. It really is like a weird. Is it long still available monologue. to see? Sure. Yeah. I'll give I'd you love the, to see I have it. the DVD here. I'll, I'll lend it to you. It's, oh, mm-hmm. it's at Falcon's Lair. But, uh, uh, Falcon's Lair. That's my house. That's oh, my right. house. That's right. Falcon's mm. Lair. Boy, that sounds sexy. When I went to sleep in it for the first time, I said to my <laughs> still wife, the falcon must roost. When you go through a divorce, do you speak in like catchphrases a little more? <laughs> yeah. You say, the you falcon say, must roost. The falcon Hiding must roost. intense pain. Like, is that how you hide intense pain? The falcon must the roost. The falcon oh. must roost. By which I mean chew on light bulbs. Well, standing in the dark. Was James Bond actually in a lot of pain when he said, business is my pleasure? Was, <laughs> is it because he could never be in a relationship? He well, could never commit? Exactly. <laughs> I like my vault come out, T.D. shake and not stirred because he couldn't say, I'm so alone. You know, I'm going to die alone and afraid, an old man, masturbating yeah. into a diaper because I'm incontinent due to sustained injuries. I have sex with models all the time, supermodels, but I can't sustain a relationship. I can't. Plumb the depths of commitment. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, I've got to have sex with someone. Goodbye. <laughs> Shake and nuts that. My name is Bond. James Bond. Hello. I'm. Oh, that's too much intimacy. I don't want to know your name. Please. <laughs> he just runs. That's why my car is a sub. I have to get away from people or I'll have to f- have feelings for them. Also, I've heard the criticism that Daniel Craig is, is speaking that Carlin was too angry as a stand-up, which is crazy. People are saying that Daniel Craig is too... Um, Hard. Doer. A bond. Doer or dower? Yeah, dower. Doer. I don't know. I love I, them both. I love them do both. Do you like Daniel Craig and I bond? love Daniel Craig and I love George Carlin. I love, <laughs> I love Tom Waits. I like anger and cacophony. <laughs> I love Tom Waits. You know, I love, uh, I love, you know, he's good, Dorian. James Bond's, kind of- I don't, oddly enough, I prefer Roger Moore to Pierce Brosnan. Mm hmm. 
Because Pierce Brosnan once stole a parking space from a friend of mine and then jumped out of his car and flipped off my friend. Is that right? Yeah, so I was like, oh my God, he's a cock. Wow. And Roger Moore runs UNICEF. So like, he's a nicer guy. I like him more. That is the thing, though, about being a celebrity. If you do have a bad day, you're tarnished for life. Yeah, you do. Because I've heard he's a very nice guy. Probably is. But he did steal a parking space from a friend of mine in Malibu. I'd say he's not a very good person. All all even. No, I just don't like, I'm not a crazy fan of those movies. But but I was like Roger Moore, who I loved because he was the James Bond when I was a kid. Yeah, I liked Roger Moore, too. Imagine being a crocodile. Have you ever seen the way crocodiles look when Steve Irwin would pick them up? Yeah. They're like, what the fuck? Like, getting picked up by a guy in epaulets is so not a part of a crocodile's yeah. reality. Like, you know, it'd be like if your dog came into the house, sat down, and started shuffling cards. It's like, <laughs> it's like that's not supposed to be what you're doing. Exactly. It's like seeing a human being not only not run away from you, but actually approach you and start to grapple. And then, and then you're a crocodile, and then you're mm-hmm. one of the crocodiles in Live and Let Die that Roger Moore has to prance across to get off that little island. Oh, I don't it's remember like, that. They duct tape their mouths shut, and then a British dandy oh, will runs across <laughs> you for an afternoon. Must have been so humiliated. They must those crocodiles must have like meet for the rest of their life. <laughs> I still think about it. It's so emasculating. They're in group. That's their nine eleven. Are you thinking about the day of the shoot? I'm thinking about the day of the shoot. <laughs> the trainer gave me barbiturates, and then they taped my mouth shut. And then a British man in a white safari jacket kept running across me, take after take after take after take, prancing and prancing and prancing. Now all all these crocodiles' mouths shut. That's my Roger Moore horrible. I used to be able to do Roger. All these crocodiles' mouths shut. Welcome to Political Talk with two guys from Boston. A working man's look at the socio-political issues of our day. And now, Political Talk with two guys from Boston. This is Political Talk with two guys from Boston. I'm Johnny Condon. Robbie Solomon here. We're brought to you by Bevilacqua Heating and Air Conditioning. We're cool if you're cool. Bevilacqua. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm with my brother. Yeah. I had to drive my brother to a meeting. Yeah. Not a big work meeting. Oh, a meeting. A meeting where everybody is anonymous. Yeah, you bring donuts and coffee and yeah. you, you clean up cups. Right. Everybody sits around and talks about how they no longer have an addiction yeah. and they're clawing their eyeballs out because they can't wait to go out front and smoke. Yeah. But they're all great people and I'm with my brother and then we're outside and I'm talking to some of his friends and I go, so uh, what have you been up to? Yeah. I can't tell you. I can't tell you who it was. Okay. It was Marty Fitzsimmons. Oh, yeah. So I say, uh, so what have you been up to? And he goes, hey, you know, Condi, I'm just trying to walk in my truth. Oh, jeez. And I, that's exactly, I think, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, when did he get I'm, deep? I'm trying to buy tires, you know? <laughs> I mean, I get it. There's a, I, I understand yeah. there's a higher plane of thought. Yeah. I watch Kung Fu. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. You know? But come on, yeah. I don't think you need to talk about walking in your pet. Yeah, well, remember, this is the family, too, that can't talk about it. Then they, so then one, they get a DUI. Yep. Now they want to talk about everything yeah. at once. <laughs> I'm going to make amends and tell you not just what was wrong with me, but how you might be able to fix you. Yeah. I got some ideas. I'm just trying to find socks that match <laughs> so I don't look like an outpatient. <laughs> I know a lot the, of from, people who refuse. They won't wear the same socks. They have pairs. They wear one of each. They yeah. just won't do it. That's like their way of not being corporate, even though they're in a cubicle. 
<laughs> like this girl actually said the other night, she goes, my nails, they're green because that's how I express myself. I have a corporate gig and I can't any other way. They own the rest of this. I have to wear a certain thing, but this is for Nails me. are all mine. Yeah. Well, I would put like pictures of the devil. <laughs> oh, you know, don't do well. Green, whoa, green nails. The head, the head of the department. Yeah. On your, move on over, your, Keith Richards. On your middle finger. Exactly. <laughs> the devil raping the head of your department. Yeah, and then like, on every finger. Your favorite reality TV star. This is what I always saw. It should have been an episode of Superman. Yeah. Perry White fires Clark Kent because there's layoffs at the Daily Planet, and they got to cut back. I was like, sorry, Clark, hit the bricks. I like that. Every time there's a disaster, you vanish. Yeah, what does he do? Yeah, you vanish, Clark. What are you going to do? Here's what you're going to do to save the city. You're going to have to take a nap. <laughs> and so then Clark kind of de- dejectedly packs up his crap. Yeah. And then later on, Perry White's walking around the newsroom. It's empty, and he comes on Clark's desk, and there's just a doodle pad full of drawings of Superman raping Perry White. <laughs> That's Weird. What a weird thing for Clark Kent yeah. to draw. Yeah. <laughs> why do you leave it behind, too? Glad that ain't going to happen. Yeah, that's not why you... Hey, rush this down. Let's have it rewritten. <laughs> that's how you know Clark and Lois never hooked up. Oh, yeah. Because she never came in with a queef looking like an octopus that got hit with a bulldozer. I don't know if that script would get through Hollywood or not. This is the issue with Batman. By the way, can I just say one thing? Yeah, please. This is what... Fitzy should be fucking talking about. Yeah. Not walking in your truth. No one cares. Yeah. This. I saw him walking some other stuff that wasn't his truth, by I'm the sure. way. Yeah. There's been nights. You ever see a dude? I want to get back to the subject. Yeah. You ever see a guy walking a cat? <laughs> Absolutely. It's a what weird, the fuck? It's a weird moment. And the cat is just like, will you look at this asshole? Yeah. You can't look more feminine. As a man. And cats don't want to walk. Cats, no. the only reason cats walk is to find another place to sit and not walk. <laughs> they have no interest like in that. walking. I never thought Like a dog that. has to walk. Yeah. Here's the thing that pisses me off about my fucking dog. He, I love your dog. I know you do because you don't live with him. Yeah. He's always hungry. <laughs> and then you put the food down and he just w- sniffs it and walks away. Like, he doesn't want to eat the food you give him. That's been awful. Right. If you're having a three day old pork chop that you got to scrape some of the fuzz off it, but you got to eat, yeah, yeah. he wants that. Oh, yeah. I'm but in. if you make him a deliciously savory meal, <laughs> dog meal. Yeah, he has no interest in it. What is this? Dog food is to domesticated dogs what. Your wife is to you after you've been married 50 years. Anything but you, dear. Anything but you. Lenore, I love you. You're in a house coat and it's 3 o'clock. Yeah. The fire has gone out. Wasn't it Teddy Roosevelt who was like walking through a farm with his wife and they were on two different tours, he and his wife, and as they're walking through, they keep seeing the rooster making love to these different hens. And all day long, the rooster's on these different hens. And... She says, geez, how often does the rooster do that? And they said, all day long, ma'am. She said, oh, tell Mr. Roosevelt that. <laughs> and so when they're walking Mr. Roosevelt through, the president, they're walking him through, and they go, oh, Mr. Roosevelt, I, your wife wanted us to tell you that, you know, that rooster does that all day long. And he goes, oh, yeah, would you mention to her it's always with a different hen? <laughs> <laughs> well, have you ever seen Eleanor Roosevelt? <laughs> yeah. She's hot. Oh, good Lord. What's the, this, my favorite She one. looks like fat shemp. <laughs> well, you can't, you can't let someone uh, make you feel and they inferior were cousins. without your consent. 
Oh, that's good. Right? Yeah, you now sound like I'm going to my now. real truth. Now that's it. I'm truth. walking in Eleanor's truth. Which, which brings me full circle oh, back good. to the subject at hand. Closure, yeah. They can never, in all these superhero movies, they can never work the cape. Yeah, no one knows how to like, do that. Even with Batman, with the new Batmans, when they like, you found out the reason for the armor, and you found it, the cape never, ever works. It's an elegant accoutrement. Yeah. And it's it, like wearing an ascot. Yeah. It's time has passed. Not conducive to fighting. Yeah. They, they faced it in that film, uh, the cartoon. Uh, what was that? Incredibles. They're like, everyone, yeah. everyone keeps dying from the cape. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what a funny you, one to go the, with. Batman and Superman, yeah. they don't need capes. They don't need capes. You know what it makes them? You think it helps them fly? It's like a rudder? No. No. It's a it, piece of cloth. It makes them dandies. <laughs> it does. It pretties them up. <laughs> it, make, it makes their jawline smooth. I am the dandy from Kryptonite. <laughs> Give me a that's, cape. That's uh, Clark Kent's Instagram handle. It's almost Kryptonian like, dandy. But it's almost to make them look like they're draped in the American flag. Well, not it's Batman. Like he's, he's draped in the flag of his yeah. pain. Yeah. Because Joe Chill cut down his parents. But I mean, like that fluttering flag that you'd see at the ballpark or something. You know, like that's sure. kind of what that cape is, right? I'm just, yeah. I'm just sort of picturing, like, why? What, now, you what? said that, and I get the taste for hot dogs. Yeah. If I went to Fenway right now, I could eat four of them. Yeah. Four. I'm at the Stoa, and I got a thing of lemonade. Yeah. It's a simply lemonade. Lemonade. I like that. And I, okay, I put it in the fridge, and I mix it. Here's my drink. You know what, Arnold Palmer? Yeah. It's lemonade and iced tea. Sure it is. I mixed. Lemonade and club soda. Oh, yeah? And I call it a sissy. <laughs> Why is it called a sissy? Because it's a sissy drink. <laughs> it's lemonade and club soda. And I have it's no the- problem. At- I'd like another sissy. It's the- I'd like a tall, cold sissy <laughs> right now. really good. I like that. So I get it, and I come home, and I make a sissy. <laughs> and I take a sip, and it tastes like cold, delicious, citrusy, Spoiled eggs. <laughs> and I look. There's spoiled eggs in the fridge. No. Oh. I had bought lemonade with mango in it. Oh, jeez. Which apparently they put on the shelf without anybody tasting it. <laughs> if it is possible for a drink to taste like socks, that is what this drink is. It's bad. Who the fuck decided to do? Leave flavors alone. Yeah, what are they doing? Leave fucking flavors alone. They try to Cranberries all over the goddamn place. It's a splash of it and everything now. Yeah, cranberry. You get snow tires with cranberry. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna love it. Cranberry is so fucking insecure. It's good for your tract. Unbelievable. And lemonade and mango, it's like somebody lost a bet. <laughs> That's funny. I like it that. It is a this ghastly is like drink. Is it ketchup oh. and ice cream. Yeah, People no. like them both. Yeah. Let's combine them now. Yeah, you need it. Oh, my God. Bacon and antiperspirant. <laughs> People love them both. People love the smell of bacon. <laughs> and they hate to sweat. And now, together again. I often wonder, with if you put on antiperspirant, does the perspiration just stay inside you? And eventually, will you just get like a big waddle of, of liquid sweat yeah, in your armpit? You're, you're filling up your pores with aluminum thing. Uh-huh. Is that how it, yeah, so is that's that how it works? the smell don't come out. Yeah. So you're really, what you're really doing is you're clogging your pores. You're not actually, it's not a healthy thing to do. Like that salt stuff that just makes you evaporate. Right. Like supposedly that's a better choice. I can't put that stuff on me. Before we go, can I ask you a personal question? Oh, yeah. Do you manscape? No, I don't. Me neither. Yeah. I do. Here's what I do. I make, it makes me uncomfortable to do anything to look better. I understand that completely. Yeah. I think that it, it seems My natural a self. Gay. 
if I see any hairs peeking up over the horizon sure. of my shoulder, yeah, sure. I will take them down. <laughs> I do not care what happens out of my line of sight. <laughs> you can see. But I do not yeah. like the Serengeti no, I over my shoulder blades <laughs> I don't want because I look like an old Italian yeah, man like or a woman. The moon's coming in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looks like a puma might be stalking. Yeah, you remember, Johnny, when I was a kid, I never had a beard. I had like peach rust till I was yeah. 21. So and I, you had a lovely crust Well, thank you, but it never worked is what I'm trying to say. So at now, to have like the gray white hairs come in like fishing wire. Sure. And have it come in in those weird places like you're talking about. I'm like, yeah. what the hell is this? Yeah. Who planted this in me? It looks like freaking fishing wire. Just at the tip of my sternum, I have this <laughs> yeah. crazy tuft of, of hair. I'm convinced that we're like going ape as we leave this earth. Like, oh my we're, gosh, I'm going ape. Like something's weird here. This we're turning weird. into Lancelot Link. Yeah, you got a hair on your ear and you're like, what do you do with a hair on your ear? Yeah. I, I've seen them on people, but I didn't ever think I'd have one. I'm very thrilled. Big, white, wiry ear hairs. You see like a Japanese or a Korean man, out of great respect to your cultures, folks, I'm just saying, it seems like they celebrate some of those hairs that come out of like a mole on their face. I saw a guy... With a at, ribbon? I, I saw a guy at the farmer's market up at Kelly's. I was up there buying pumpkins. <laughs> he was a, a Japanese... He had his eyebrows like combed. Like literally they were like... I got I'm not some. lying, inch and a half. Yeah, I got some. Others don't have. And I'm going to celebrate it. Yeah, but... It's a celebration it's of It's the self. second thought. I have something others don't have, possibly for a reason. <laughs> I yeah. might be able to fly yeah. with this. I'm going to get bat wings yeah. surgically put on my penis. <laughs> no one else has them, possibly yeah. for good reason. Whales use this to eat. They have baleen, and they get krell in it. <laughs> That's what perhaps the main... The seal is broken <laughs> on may... the baleen and krill references. <laughs> he may dive into the ocean, get out, and have a snack. If you're going to bring out krill, yeah. we got to wrap this That's up. probably the time, yeah. The summer's over. Do you know the joke about the Serengeti? No. I'll leave you on this. All right, good. So there's a lion, and it's having an affair with a zebra. Uh-oh. This male lion goes out, and every day it meets this female zebra. Yeah. And they get it on. Yeah. Fine with each other. Sure. I met a girl from West Roxbury once. Keep going. Same thing. Yeah. So they're out there. They're going at it, and the lion sees in the tall grass his wife approaching. Oh, geez. Stalking through the tall grass. And the lion whispers into the zebra's ear, quick, act like I'm killing you. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Connie, that's a good one. That's a professional joke. We're cool if you're cool. Get out. Political Talk with Two Guys from Boston. Joining me at the microphone, comedian, sketch actress, and NPR hooligan, Monica Scott. This is the sound of my voice. Now, how was your summer, Monica? I mean, mine was okay. What, how was yours? What did you do this summer? Well, super great thing happened. Okay. I, uh, I acted in this show, Mob City, formerly... Lost Angels, formerly L.A. Noir. <laughs> it premieres, I believe, December 8th on TNT. Oh, my God, that's awesome. And if you need something to warm up to it, okay. my Showtime special premieres November 3rd Perfect. on TNT. No, that premieres on Showtime. Okay. <laughs> so it's a, it's a big autumn. Uh, did the show. That was over the summer. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. I have no complaints. That was five stars. Well, now, how about your summer? 
Oh, um, yeah, my summer. I, uh, I was caught up in the middle of a mass shooting. <sighs> well, I guess we'll talk about you. <laughs> yes. A real rifle. Real, real rifle. Real rifle. You weren't the person who was <laughs> yours. No, it wasn't uh, mine. A little background. This was at... This was at Santa Monica College, which is right. where KCRW is located. Which is the radio station that you which work is at. the radio station. Right. And this was in the summer. This was a national story. Yeah, this was my first experience being caught in the middle of a national tragedy. Really? And Cuckoo Bird with a rifle? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Cuckoo Bird um, started down the street. He started a couple blocks away. So, they, uh, so let's set the scene. Yes. It's July, June? It's June 8th or June 7th. Okay. Uh, June 7th, Santa Monica, California. Yeah. Beautiful day. Yeah. Clear skies. Beautiful sea breeze coming in. Yeah. Sea breeze blowing down Pico like it's trying to get to the Westfield Shopping (laughs) Plaza. But it'll never make it. But it'll never make it down that far. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, it's trying to get to Sentinella Feed and Pet Supply at Sepulveda. (laughs) Cool cool ocean breeze cruising Mm -hmm. down Pico like it's got to get to Smart and Final. Exactly. (laughs) And... It's a Friday, you're working mm-hmm. at uh, National Public Radio, and then you're yeah. going to blow out and have a great weekend. Yeah, yeah, can't wait. It's actually my day off. I don't work Fridays. You so don't work I there, but you're there. Went in. Because you love tote I bags. Went- <laughs> Why are you there? <laughs> I, uh, I had to go in for just like a couple hours to get a couple things done before the weekend. Uh-huh, okay. Uh, it was actually toward the end of the spring semester, so there were relatively few students on campus. The ones that were there were um, studying for finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, graduation was going to be on Monday. So Okay. Yeah, it's early summer. Yeah, it's... because it's supposed to be a pretty easy day. So I walked in. I was there maybe 20 minutes. I hadn't even um, unpacked my things yet. Uh-huh. I had like kind of all my bags. My computer and everything was still in my bag. Various salads. My various. In, <laughs> in burp seal containers. Uh, my various quinoa salads in mason jars. <laughs> <laughs> you, you eat 11 different quinoa salads a day. If you, if you open the refrigerator at any NPR affiliate station, it's just full of... Of yeah. stacked salads. In it's a bukkake of quinoa. <laughs> Which is just as disgusting as it sounds. <laughs> Which is actually more disgusting yeah. than a regular. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know, solid morning. Um, and uh, so my first uh, interaction with what was going on was I heard a car crash. Ooh. Um, in, in the distance. We're, we're in the basement of the cafeteria, so you, there, but there's windows all around uh, toward the top of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, like, like a bunker. Like, exactly like a bunker. Right. Uh, and I heard a car crash, and I was hearing these like pop, popping sounds, and I didn't, I didn't really know what was going on. It was distant enough that I didn't uh, panic about it. Right. And then about... You just thought, like some, someone's making some popcorn. Dumb, yes. Exactly. Some some asshole in an office is right. making popcorn. You hear those pops, and the first thing you do is wait for it. Soon we'll smell butter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and then a few minutes later, three or four of my coworkers came bursting through one of the doors, like sweating. And we have a satellite office. N- NPR coworkers. Yeah. Birkenstocks burning. <laughs> beards. Lots of beards, flannel yeah. shirts. Burning cork on the pavement. <laughs> 
Birkenstocks a flying. Um, yeah, they, it's funny now. It's they, been three months. They came, at the time, it was not funny. It I'm was. Sure. It was not. But at the time, it was confusing because we're also like calm and and mm-hmm. low toned and mild mannered. Right. And I like that you pronounce the L in calm. <laughs> well, that's the NPR in me. I think from now on, calm. We should also you say it in walk. <laughs> Let's calm down and take a walk. You're the first one to ever point out that I do that. Let's let's oh. write in chalk that we will always <laughs> calm down and take a walk. Wait, wait, how do you say it then? Calm? Calm. Calm. Calm down. No. Calm down. Or if I'm in Boston. If I've been in Boston for three days, calm down. <laughs> not even a Jesus. hint of an L in Don't shit ways. yourself. <laughs> Get a potato. So my dad says potatoes. Potato, you want a potato? I don't know. <laughs> Does he always say potato in such an irritated tone? Potato, yeah, yes. My father says everything in an irritated. Good morning. He just starts off irritated. Good morning. Oh, it sounds like such a delight. Yeah. I just thought if a ghost was not scary, but was still a ghost, if it didn't really have an agenda, would it just be like, boo? <laughs> boo? <laughs> yeah, boo? <laughs> it's just no. like, just trying to, yeah, boo, boo. <laughs> Little finger pistols. Does it always have to be malevolent? <laughs> Boo. And that's my dad as a ghost. Boo. Right. It's just really specific ghosts that behave that way. The, the nice ones don't fuck with us. That's all it is. Yeah. <laughs> Shh, here they come. They're very oh, We don't want to bother them. <laughs> ghosts are much like possums that way. <laughs> let's, just, let's just go in the other they room. They have long, hairless tails. <laughs> that is the disgusting part. My daughter wrote the funniest thing on a little card I found it in her room, mm-hmm. and I actually put it in a little frame. It said, uh, there are ghosts all over the world. There are ghosts everywhere. None of them have hair or feet. <laughs> Which well, they don't. What an if you draw a ghost, It's true, but if you draw a ghost, none of them have hair or feet. Quite brilliant. She, that's, she might be a genius. She might be a genius. She's an 11 year old girl obsessed with spinosauruses. Oh my God. I know, it's fantastic. She sounds so fun. lucky. I want to hang out with her. We're all there. We're all working. Uh, we hear car crash. All of a popcorn. sudden, popcorn. We hear car crash and popcorn. You hear this. Um, and then a few coworkers come running in, like very distraught, like right. like upset. And that's when we found out they they were like, "There's someone with a gun on camp." There's like SWAT team, and and then it was like chaos for two and a half hours, like two and a half hours. Them, yeah, from them saying that to us getting escorted out, it was chaos because no, like we're in a basement, so we have no idea what's going on. Right, half of our coworkers are in, um, we have like an office that's a converted classroom, so it's just out in the open. Um, and they, Above ground. Yeah, and for what we're being told, it's like right on his path. But yeah. we still don't understand his path. We don't know how many people there are. We're, we're like confused. Right. We, we then eventually were able to turn on the news. Is it an attack by AM radio? <laughs> yes. <laughs> They're trying to take us down one at a time. <laughs> First Michael Smirkanish. <laughs> Than you. <laughs> um, but so it was total chaos because then we all start texting like the people left over in that office to find out like if they're yeah. okay. Are or you what's shot? Happening. Yeah. Um, you know, people are saying they ran right in front of like a big SWAT guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that, that stuff was all terrifying. So these coworkers 
in the satellite office, once they hear shots fired, they They run. quit immediately. They, they quit, and we've never seen them again. <laughs> uh, they run out of their office to run into the basement office, which is like, you know... Are they crossing open ground? They're crossing open ground. They're wow. running out I guess, of, But I guess that's just natural behavior, right, fight or flight. Thought, like, i got to run uh, or go... I'm going to go underground, Yeah, what yeah, they thought. Yeah. Um, so they did that. They ran out, and there was a guy... It was an empty hallway... Mm-hmm. Um, in this, like a, you know, built in the 60s college building. So it's right. like a little rundown, kind of dark. Yeah, uh, very room 222. Yes. So it's just this empty hallway, but there's they run out and there's one guy who's walking down and he's like a SWAT guy. He's got a huge assault rifle on his back. And one of the people that ran out turned to him and they go, where are we supposed to go? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> And they, and, and they're, they're lucky that he wasn't the guy. I mean, how did they know he was? Well, I guess he had insignia. He was the guy? <gasps> yeah. So, so they, he was dressed. He was dressed head to toe in like he had like a helmet and he had like all the gear on and like and all in black. And they just, you know, in in that instance, you want that person to be an authority figure. So they just they they saw him and they go, "Where are we supposed to go?" And he goes, "I don't know." And they're like, uh, "Okay." And they run. They run out the door. He didn't take a shot at them. Nothing. He didn't attack them at all. He just kept. He but he was walking calmly. He wasn't running. Uh, and the only and that's re- just a crazy miracle. That is a crazy miracle. Four four of my coworkers ran out in front of him, and this like like at the same time, and that's what happened. The only reason we know it was him is because uh, later, when we get escorted out, we get run right past his body, and I was next to one of the girls who had run out. Who just the second we saw his body, she started sobbing and screaming, and she was like, "That's the person we ran in front of," and that's how we knew that they ran. Right in his line of fire, like wow. right in front of him. Holy shit! It was terrifying, and like you know, as it's all, they run in the office, and and we're like okay, okay. confused. We don't know what's going on. And then outside, then we hear a firefight. Like then we can really hear police firing at him, him firing back. We can hear it kind of moving across the campus, uh-huh. uh, and and then. Now it's even more chaos because people are getting texts from people that are like located in different places. There's like someone in the police department who's texting one of us and we don't know what to believe. Right, yeah, of course. So they're like, there's two shooters, there's three. We don't know what's happening. And I was just in town listening to it on the radio and that was, there's two shooters, there's three shooters, there's a fire, they found people dead in an apartment. Yeah. It was all sorts of, uh, his father was in a a car or some weird thing. Yeah, well, so the whole path that the guy took was he started at his father's house. He killed his father and his brother, set the house on fire. Okay. So far, I don't have really a big issue with this guy. So far, I get it. So far, it could be anyone. <laughs> um, then he walks out into the street, uh, carjacks a woman, but instead of taking her car, he makes her, at gunpoint, drive him down the street. Which was the downfall of the Boston Marathon bombers. Is he didn't make a woman drive him down the street? <laughs> they Use a carjacked a guy, yeah. and he drove them oh, to the gas station right. and escaped at the gas station, called in... Yeah. That. Ugh, ugh. I mean, it's just so chilling to even imagine being that person that 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he let this woman go. He didn't he didn't right. keep her. I mean, he I guess had only like a 20 minute plan. So, uh <laughs> So it didn't matter if she I'm got losing away. so or much not. respect for him. <laughs> <laughs> he did not plan that very far ahead. But yeah, he gets out of the car at Santa Monica College. Um a bus passes him and he shoots all the way across the bus. So the bus pulls over. They no one was injured in the bus. <laughs> Wait a minute. Stop. <laughs> Does he shoot into the windows or it's below? It's not the windows. The, it's like just below the windows. A big where the, blue like, bus? Metal, yeah, where that metal part is. So it's not the tires, so it right. doesn't crash the bus. Um, right. So that, like, he's shooting into the bus, he's and the bus just like swerves out of the under way and the, stops. Under the feet of yeah, the people on the yeah. bus. Not, not a smart... No, not a, no, he didn't see... Not what one would call a kill shot. <laughs> no, no, Unless not one wants to injure it, a bus. It was like, I mean, at that point, it almost seemed like, like an anarchy shot. Like, he was yeah. just trying to, like make some noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he walks out into the street. Much like John Cusack can say anything <laughs> with a boombox. You know, it's like there's other ways to make noise. Uh, <laughs> you should have explored some more options. Write a play. <laughs> but so he goes out into the street um, and now he's starting to walk toward the campus and a car turns down the street and it has um, the Santa Monica College groundskeeper and his daughter. Uh, and he shoots him, kills him immediately. Oh, okay. Man, that was he, that funny. He <laughs> crashes. Story just got not yeah, funny. Right. He like he crashes. How old, his daughter's with him in the car? His daughter's with him in the car. She lives for a few days, dies a few days later. Oh, she's also hit. Yeah. Well, she wasn't, so I don't know. How old was she? Um, 25. Uh. Um, but so there's actually, there's still like memorials to him where his car crashed. Because his car crashed straight yeah. into the, the staff parking lot. Okay. Um, and then he kind of like wanders into campus and then just starts opening fire on everybody. Uh, except for apparently my four coworkers. Except for your coworkers, which is just so... <laughs> it's so chilling. Because then I, I have another coworker that said that she... So bizarre. She opened the door to that office too, like, like you know, maybe six seconds after they ran out. She opened the door to figure out what to do, but opened the door right into him, saw him, and she knew she knew it was him and just like slammed the door closed and ran and then... Her and several, maybe like ten people, like hid in this, including some students who just ran into the room to get out of the way. Uh, hid in the studio we have there. That's like the only lockable room, but it's uh-huh. like five feet by five. It's like so small. Right? And does it have like foam rubber egg cartons yeah, yeah, all over? Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's coming. Shh. Because <laughs> I guess if they all got down, I don't know. But, I mean, he didn't. You know, he didn't even try to wander into the room. But. Right. Um, but yeah, and then he walks out, kind of gets into a firefight with the police, runs into the library and opens fire. The police kill him in and the, the library. There's no reasoning for him to come to the campus. To who he's shooting? No, I mean, he's not like I'm gonna no, kill because the people the on campus, geology department right. or something. It, he wasn't a student; like he had no like association with the school that I was aware of. That's a big the, announcement. The shooter has no association with Santa Monica well, City College. Well, so um, like you know, we were all evacuated by like 2 p.m. At five, they released this press release. You're evacuated. Yeah. How do you know it's not him coming in? <laughs> so the like twenty SWAT officers flood into the into the um, station and they're screaming at us. They're like, "You have to go! You have to go right now! Right now! Go! Go!" Like, and they like make us all collect in one side of the building. Um, 
I was lucky that I hadn't unpacked my stuff yet because I could just grab everything. So many people left their wallets, keys, cell phones. My quinoa! <laughs> their quinoa salads. People bellowing. <laughs> get your quinoa and go. <laughs> my beet salad. I need to get back in there. Why? My quinoa. My... All right, make it quick. <laughs> I made kale juice this morning. <laughs> like <My> they... juice. <laughs> I'm going to juice fast. I can't. I have to get it. Which fast? The Kinsey fast. Go, 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 go. Put some ginger in that. <laughs> but they like... Does it make you poop too much? Yes, it does. <laughs> go, 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 go. That's how I feel all the time. Oh, gross. Um, yeah, they like... So they pushed us to the one side of the station. And they were like, we all get there and they go, we don't know if there's another shooter. We need to get you out as fast as possible. Run with your hands in the air. At like the you just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> And we all danced, and it was just like a real stress relief. Now, you're, I'm going to open this door, and you're going to boogie-oogie-oogie, so you just can't boogie no more. Why are you guys in lavender jumpsuits? <laughs> Here, put these on. <laughs> you're the Harlem Globetrotters. Are you the SWAT team? It doesn't feel like you are. Um, but yeah, so they were like, I mean, it was such an unsettling thing for them to even say to us. They're like, we don't know what's going on right. up there. Uh, just come with us. You leave the building um, in the Soul Train line dance. Like right. You all line and <laughs> one goes down and the other person goes down. Um, and that was just to lighten the mood. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> that was done three times a day during the Bataan Death March. <laughs> <laughs> now you have a door Soul Train line dance. <laughs> I hope Ricky and Robin dance together today. <laughs> How wonderful. Why am I having I, Nazis I running that the accent, That but, inappropriate accent. <laughs> totally wrong. Totally wrong. Nazis were also were at the Batan there. It was just villain central. They just, look, we're having a death march. <laughs> we're going to invite all the villains from the community. Exactly. We want to build a stronger community together. We're inviting all the villains to our death march. <laughs> Death March and Bake Sale. <laughs> so if you have a specialty, come on, cook it. <laughs> Maybe you put some cayenne pepper into the brownies. I Whatever don't know. you do. You're evil, you know? You know yeah, yeah, exactly. Get a little silly with it. Exactly. Throw in a Band-Aid. <laughs> No story gets good after the phrase, after I found the Band-Aid in my salad. There's no happy ending. <laughs> Do you mean no story gets good because that's the best part of the story? Yeah, that's the best You're like, part let's stay there. Where'd yeah. it come from? What was on it? I did find once in a... Gross. I'm already grossed out. <laughs> it's, it's gross worthy. Uh, a coffee from like a diner mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, go. Mm-hmm. I go home. Oh. Not Starbucks. Sure. Take off the lid. Put in a sugar. I'm stirring it. Thing floats to the top, and I thought it was the sugar packet. No one band aid. <laughs> and I was on the phone with a friend of mine, and I'm literally I'm on the phone with a friend of mine, and I go, "He's talking to you or something," and I just go, "You're not going to believe it just happened." <laughs> what? I go, "I'm stirring my coffee that I just got at the bakery, and there's a band aid in it." And my friend went, Jesus Christ, a <laughs> chill just went down my spine. 
Yeah, that oh is my God. the worst. That is the worst. I gotta go. I hear popcorn on the... <laughs> That's not popcorn! <laughs> Dunk, Dunk. Get down, get down! <laughs> um, yeah, I can't make popcorn anymore. It's troubling now. <laughs> I wonder if people in firefights, I mean, they hear Jiffy Pop and they just curl up like Martin Sheen at the opening of Apocalypse oh, Now. <laughs> You fucker! It's just Jiffy Pop! You fucker! There has been, though, since then, some moments where I've curled up like Martin Sheen. <laughs> yes. Well, I was, and they've been inappropriate. Like, I'm always like, oh, this isn't, uh, it's confusing but, to people that I I'm do, reacting this way. I do want to get into that. And, and um, but so the college makes an announcement oh, yeah. that angered you. Oh, yeah. The college, well, they sent this press release out after we had been evacuated and we're all like shell shocked. And it says, Michelle shocked? <laughs> and it says, um, just to be clear, uh, this wasn't a school shooting. It didn't start here. This person has no affiliation with the college. And it was like, like, come on, like, don't. But you like, are school douchebags. Right. Like, just don't so we're clear. Take, like, it felt so like it was like taking away legitimacy for like what I, what yeah. happened. Like, I was like, come, like, it's been two hours. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And I guess I think that they were, I mean, school was about to start again. So I wonder if they were worried. I know people were already, a lot of students pulled out for the summer and they were like, <laughs> no. Yeah. That's a bad start to the summer. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Not going to this school. Yeah. So I maybe guess- I will work at Whole Foods. <laughs> Forever. Forever. <laughs> Which they might do anyway. If they yeah. Um, but yeah, so we got, we spent two hours like watching the news, getting texts, being confused. Uh, and then SWAT storms in, they scream at us, lavender jumpsuits. Um, and line they, dance. <laughs> right, line dancing. Jazz right. hands. <laughs> but so they tell us, put your hands in the air Run at the same speed as you. You can't that. handle that sentence. I can't. I mean, what's the dress code? Smooth criminal. <laughs> Which is my favorite dress code. What's the dress code? Smooth criminal. As okay. if you had to ask. A lot of fun that dress code. Um, but so I was on the Janet Jackson poster <laughs> years ago. It was a big billboard on Sunset, and it was. She had a concert and it just said dress code, smooth criminal. <laughs> the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. You're like, what does that mean? Fuck you, Janet. <laughs> Fuck you. Come on. You're, that's, yeah. I think you probably thought it Not was, everybody can do that. They Honey, get that cool. cartoonishly oversized zoot suit out of the closet. I'd like to go to a cart. <laughs> you work for the DWP. They just keep it in the main closet, too. <laughs> they keep it in the main closet. <laughs> the zoot suit that makes me look like I'm an animated dog in a Tex Avery cartoon. <laughs> I mean, everybody's got one of those, though. That is exactly. like a staple. It's like the little black dress and that. Yeah, that. <laughs> Cartoonishly oversized suit suit. Um, um, but so they, they tell us they don't know what's happening upstairs, and they're just like, just run at the same pace as us. And we go, okay. So we're flanked by them, and we get... Now you're a peloton of terror. <laughs> right. So now we get upstairs. The one thing I wish they would have said is... Oh, by the way, it's super fucked up up there. So, like, don't look around because oh. they didn't tell us that. And we got up there, and it was a They're nightmare. Like, it's like Lydia in episode two of Breaking Bad this year. <laughs> no, I yeah, that I watched that, and it was it was a real mess. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I was a real disaster after that. Oh, really? I really? had to. I was I like wanna... watching it with friends, and I had to leave. Oh, really? Yeah, I keep wanting to show you the. <laughs> cool. 
pictures of me oh, yeah. shooting a gun from my show. I'm not interested. <laughs> no, 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 thank you. <laughs> Give me a year. New, yeah, new. Um, but yeah, so we go upstairs, and it's like, you know, it was scary enough to hear the sounds. But like when you got up there and you you just it was like there was blood everywhere. Oh really? How many like, people did he kill? He killed uh, eight total. Jesus um, Christ! So there was like a woman who was a, a scavenger of um, uh, recyclables. She wasn't homeless necessarily. She like lived in the area, but she would come to the college and with her little cart. Oh. And like and so, like we we were running past and I just saw like there was like blood on the ground and like her cart was turned over. And I just started sobbing. I was like, what is happening? And then they also didn't... No, you were, oh, you're up on the ground level. We're up now. on the ground level. When they go up, because you're underground, yeah. so they go up. All right. Yeah. And you're outside. And we're outside, and there's helicopters all around, and like, you know what I mean? Like it was Sure. Just, it was just so like, Surreal. every sense was being hit by this right. like weird experience, and and we're running, and so we're like, <laughs> like out of breath and like confused. And then, so we run past, you know, just like scene after scene of like weird, bloody, scary things and like backpacks thrown everywhere. Mm. And then we, we hit um, Pearl Street is the street behind the college. And so we hit the street and I look over because there's two um, men in like fatigues and they're standing there and they're holding rifles. Um, and, what, and then I look at them and I look down and the body of the shooter is there. Uh, and it's just like bleeding, like it, like they didn't clean it up. They didn't put like a sheet over it, like they do on TV. No, they're not very concerned. <laughs> and they, yeah, and so uh, no one is interested in his dignity at that time, right? But it's but it is interesting because then people I've talked to since then had like mixed feelings about it because I wish they had said like, look at your feet when you go up here, right? Because I didn't like. I've never seen a dead body. I think I said it on this podcast. Yeah, you did, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I've seen one now, update. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's why we had you on. Monica Scott, everybody. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, they just like run us right by it, and it's like bleeding out. I mean, there's still a stain there from where his body was. Now? Now. Like, they were almost standing as if it was like... So the sidewalk there is not unlike... <laughs> <laughs> the keys of the organ in the Simmons house and the ghost in Mr. Chicken. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I think anybody who has seen the movie knows the next question I'm going to ask. Did they use Bonami? <laughs> I don't know how many people are getting that, but the people who do get it are loving are, it. Are loving it. <laughs> That's how I roll. <laughs> but everybody's going to get it. But, but the right people are going to get it in a big, hard way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, they, so that happened. I see a dead body, and that was troubling. Uh, and they were also... Sure. They were st- but they were standing like it was a trophy. You know what I mean? Like The, the behavior felt like, oh, look, sure. we saved you. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, they don't like those guys. Uh, they, they 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 take those as right to to quote the movie Apocalypse Now again. They like to take them down with extreme prejudice. This is an Apocalypse Now heavy episode. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, but so then they they run us down the street, uh, put us onto a bus, like a big blue bus, and not, uh, but not the big yeah. blue bus. That, that bus, one is quarantined. That bus is is crying. <laughs> that bus is crying. <laughs> Just air air brakes systematically hissing like sobs. 
<laughs> which is what it sounds like when I cry too. Um, <laughs> and then and then we're like taken out one by one and interviewed by the FBI. And oh, really? The FBI? Yeah. So they come down. There was like, yeah, I saw when we were out there, I watched this like mobile command unit like come and park behind us and then... There was like these four FBI agents that would come out. Are they in suits? They're in suits. Do they look like Kyle MacLachlan from Twin Peaks? <laughs> None of them did. It was. Upsetting. They look more like Jeffrey Jones from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> a little, a <Yeah>. little. <laughs> but they, I mean, and like, and most of us didn't have any. You know. What is that? I heard pop. Like, yeah, I yeah. heard sounds. Did you think it was popcorn? Came out. <laughs> yes. That was it. Do you make microwave popcorn? Yeah. How often? <laughs> why? 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 Am I under arrest right <laughs> yeah. now? You know, you burn one of those bags, you're going to ruin your microwave. I, I know. <laughs> well, and then they also. If like, I make mac and cheese, it still smells like burnt popcorn. It's been six weeks. <laughs> they also. So there's another layer to this, which is um, the president was in town that day. I don't know if you knew that. Yes, I so, remember that. Sorry. President Obama, president, not the president of Santa Monica. <laughs> president Obama was in right. town, like three miles away. So for a long time uh, during this whole thing, there was no aerial footage on the news because there w- the airspace was yeah, shut down. Yeah, and, and to the Secret Service, like, we have a shooter. Tough. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, so as we were being evacuated, I had this really funny moment. That's, that, that is, by the way, just as a, yeah. like, that's like a movie thing. It's yeah, like, yeah. We need an air force. The president's in town. The president's in town. I know. I was like, what, what a joke. <laughs> what a joke that is. I know. Um, and then the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. <laughs> um, but like, as we were being evacuated, I looked up. And um, like Air Force One was like booking it north up the coast. Like they were like really? goodbye. Like and they just had to. They just got him the fuck out of there. Oh, you're. Oh, I didn't know that. I did not know. Yeah. Was he off the plane? He when that when the happened? shooting. Yeah, he was like in a building, like doing doing a thing. <laughs> uh huh. Um, like I think at maybe some benefit or fundraiser. Or I'm something. sure. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's no other reason to come. He to was Santa teaching Monica. a class uh, <laughs> at the Learning Annex in improv. <laughs> but so, I first look- of all, you have to agree <laughs> to everything and add information. <laughs> Um, Barack Obama and John Boehner are teaching an improv class. Ooh. You can't just add information, you have to exaggerate. <laughs> Humor is rooted in exaggeration. <laughs> the problem is we have a spending problem in this country. <laughs> That's my John Boehner that, that I can only good. do. Well, you are from PR. I figured you'd sure, get it. Sure. <laughs> my killer John Boehner impersonation. <laughs> it doesn't kill at parties. <laughs> I'm so surprised. Now that I'm, now, let me tell you something. Now that I am single... You're going to get them all with that. I hit, I hit the party impression. circuit. <laughs> I crack out that John Boehner impression. Mm-hmm. Avalanche of pussy. <laughs> I'll bet. That is, I, I, even all, wear, I often hear the girls in I wear white loafers <laughs> and a band lawn shirt. Because the dress code is smooth criminal. Smooth criminal. <laughs> the dress code. The dress code. For, uh, the State of the Union dress code is smooth criminal. So it's always been smooth criminal. <laughs> I am in an oversized jumpsuit. <laughs> Dancing like the animated dog in the Arsenio Hall Paula Abdul video from 500 years ago. 500 years ago. It was a long time ago. <laughs> um, yeah, there was just like watching him bail and go up the coast. Yeah. There was, and like, and 
and I was having the worst experience in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And see, like as and, far and as I could president. see. Yeah. And I just looked the, up the, the, and I the, was the, like, the, 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 "That's all, folks." <laughs> like it was just this like apocalyptic feeling of like, like as far yeah. as I can see, is devastation. He's bailing. Yeah. What is happening? <laughs> like, Why yeah. are you abandoning yeah. me? Yeah. I voted for you. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. like, you can't abandon me right now, yeah. which was an the insane guy thought. The guy <laughs> on the poster for Hope is leaving town. <laughs> <laughs> because your situation is too fucked up for yeah. him. Yeah. He's got to go. Hope is abandoning you. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> but, you know, I get it. He had to go. I understand. Yeah, he had to go. <laughs> there was just a I hear Santa Barbara's nice. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, oh, let's go. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I got to go. I did a uh, podcast at Nerd Melt, walked into a coffee shop across the street on Sunset Boulevard, and there was an open mic going on in a coffee shop. And it was freaking – and we were talking about doing comedy during the day. Now, I'm talking about this was like 6 o'clock, which out here is like 3 o'clock yeah, it's anywhere like 3 o'clock else. Yeah, in the afternoon. Because the sun is blaring. It's 100 degrees. And, you know, it's a coffee shop open mic. The foamer is going on. <laughs> Yeah, and of course I knew a couple of people there, and they were like, "Eddie, would you like to do some time?" Now <laughs> yeah. I am a I am a stage junkie. Like yeah. you're a grand old gal of the theater. <laughs> no, but I mean, I used to not be able to not perform. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I had to perform six nights a week, or I'd be miserably sure, depressed. Now sure. I'm down to three nights, right. and I'm fine. But when I walked in, I was like, "No, no, I I don't want to." And I was kind of enjoying watching people perform quote-unquote and then uh i did i got up i got up and i did five minutes uh, at an open mic in the blaring sunlight just screaming just screaming about the coffee house art that was on the wall yeah and also it was the time when there's no depth in coffee house art all the paintings are 2d and it was also the time when uh uh that lunatic DiMaggio uh, murdered, yeah, uh, you know, and kidnapped this girl, yeah. and he was still. And I was like looking for a new car at the time. And when I got the Amber Alert on my phone, the only thing I was like, hmm, a Nissan, eighty-eight. It's <laughs> so not a bad car. A good car. There was there was one that was going on at a laundromat. Oh, I've done those. Yeah, by the way. I did one in San Francisco, but it was above the laundromat. This was. In a laundromat. Lucky. Oh, yeah, in a laundromat. Yeah, I don't want to be like put on airs. I don't think that stand-up should be inflicted on people. Yes, you nice know? way to I'm going to start going into people's hospital rooms. Like on I'm Wednesday, on Wednesday, the dog, they get like the friendly golden retriever comes in. It's a big thing in hospitals. They bring in a dog and you pet the dog. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then on Wednesday, there's a comic who just comes in. And just oh, so what? What do you put? Oh, so you must. So that's how you lost weight? You had your liver removed? I'm like, no, it's a terrible thing in my dad. <laughs> just an insult comic going from room to room in a hospital. I think <laughs> it would like, be funny if comics were actually in ORs, like just to calm down the docs, doctors, <laughs> like you know, while they were doing surgery, and they would just be in like, all right, well, you may have a guy here who is, you know, he's very close to dying, but let me tell you, I'll tell you what real death is. <laughs> Real death is dating while you are 
over 50. That's real death. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know it's embarrassing that you sewed up the patient and left two instruments inside. Have you ever bounced? Uh, have you ever had your ATM not work at Ralph's? And they're looking at you like you're a criminal. There should be more comedy going on people when have- actual events are happening. Yeah, the laundry Comedians should be inflicted on people more. Inflicted is the word. Because I did one in New York City. And it was it was just so horrible. People looking up from their laundry, you know. Um, yeah. So that wow. was a, that was a creepy. That's feeling. crazy. They just yeah. we're gonna get you out of here. Right. But what do they think? He's gonna kill everybody in LA before until he gets to you. I mean, yeah. Well, because initially there was like a bunch of talk where people were like. Even the news, it was started with the. I yeah, think it was crazy. They I were will, like, oh, well, it's because Obama is nearby. And I was like, oh, uh, this doesn't really feel political. <laughs> like, what he's doing. No, and did, when, no, did they ever find out? Because I, the, the key is look, I'm no detective. Mm-hmm. Killing your dad and your brother and burning the house down, mm-hmm. that's a big, st- that's not a right. sidebar to this. Right. No, no, no. They, there was a suicide I, look, note. Look, look I, this is a true statement. Okay, go on. I'm not a detective. Okay. But I play one on TV. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you get to say that I now. I get to say that. <laughs> there is something there. Yeah. That's my years of police work. Sure, sure. There is something. Uh-huh. Um, there was a suicide note. Okay. So, uh, but I don't think it was made public. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, but, you know, the, he was crazy. It would be awesome if it was in just beautiful calligraphy. <laughs> You worked on it for years. It's so gorgeous, we have to show it to you. <laughs> Look, I know it's an invasion of privacy, but here it is. Furthermore, uh, no. and to wit. Well, and um, his... Memory uh, brings me back to those halcyon days of the 70s. <laughs> this is the best suicide note I've ever read. I can't put it down. There's also, there's like a cemetery across the street from Santa Monica College. Oh. He... He should. Body. They should have shot him he's, in the cemetery. It would be like there. throwing food right into the toilet. You know, just really cutting out the middleman. Getting it done. You <laughs> just, know what yeah, I mean? Handled. Just shoot him right in the hole. Well, they like they buried him there. It's, really? Yeah, and his father and brother and the mo- the mother. I thought, Please don't tell me they're buried together. I think they are. That's a terrible, Isn't that the worst, terrible fate. Well, because the, the mother is still alive and is like, oh, sorry, I loved all of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! What she what she must? I know it's a, her burden. She like, she's doing open mics now, which is also strange. <laughs> she's at UCB she's super tomorrow funny. night. Yeah, she doesn't want to do comedy bang bang for obvious reasons, but. <laughs> Or comedy house burned down. <laughs> no, none of those. Not into those. <laughs> oh um, my god, that's so that poor woman. I know it's so sad. I mean, but that was that was the whole experience of the shooting. Like, I I, I know I was like relatively protected, but it's still there's just to be that close to death is like horrifying. Yeah, and to like there's just like there's so many sounds that I couldn't like unhear for a long because I could hear the students screaming like when they were running. Yeah, away. real screams so, are yeah are the worst. <laughs> They're just the worst. Real screams are the worst. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, and then I, and then also we couldn't get our. So then there was this whole like co- complicated thing of like a, a bunch of people left their stuff inside, and we were trying to figure out when we could get back. Yeah, and you were saying you couldn't get your car. I couldn't for like, get my car for twenty four hours. So uh, I had a. That's shot. cruel. I had a. I know because then we were all just like. Now who's the real guess, victim? I guess I'll just walk. I had a show. 
I had a show that night. Um, so now he's depriving the world of laughter? No, I walked to it. It was at the Santa Monica Promenade. <laughs> so I walked, I walked down to the promenade. Who's booking that? <laughs> I could probably get you on it if you want. Uh, I walked down to the promenade and there was like, I just, I had a few, like I had hours before the show, but I didn't know what to do. How did you do a show that night? I totally, I did a show that night. I, I needed, I needed to. On a different note, um, and uh, when you talk about your divorce around married people, they seem to think that it might get on them. <laughs> well, you know why I think that's true is I think every marriage, every marriage, I think is hanging by threads. <laughs> it's just, and I don't mean that, it's just the nature of the beast. You are locked in with someone in a cubicle doing combat for many years. Yes. Uh, things thrown at you constantly. Very difficult. It so is. I think when you talk about... Who hated each other more and yet loved each other deeply? Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> All these it's famous old. musical duos... You know, they can't stay together. I, you know, I think we all remember where we were when we heard Hall and Oates was now going to be just Hall. <laughs> and then sometimes you'll see playing at the Canyon Club and Oates. Have ev- has every musical duo had just like a deep hatred? Oh, let Tony Orlando and Dawn, I know, is rife with. Oh, were they? I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I would just think. It's, I would, yeah, I would. Well, it's like, you know, you watch like Let It Be. If you've ever seen Let It Be, it's just two hours of the Beatles hating oh, each yeah. other. Yeah. George Harrison and Paul McCartney just like, I'll play it any way you want. I only want to please you. Like they hate each other. Hey, you know, Linda McCartney, speaking of marriages, Linda McCartney, you just triggered it with uh, with the Beatles, left. No, no, not Linda McCartney. Uh, Mrs. Harrison, I forget her name. <laughs> Estelle. <laughs> no, do you remember the None woman? None of the Beatles ever she slept went, with she, a woman named Estelle. <laughs> I know. She went with Eric Clapton. She left oh, George. Patty Harrison. Okay, Patty Harrison. Yeah. And she famously and- said, they said to her, so what's the secret of happy marriage? She said, just staying together. Like she, in other words, was saying, look, nobody is in a happy marriage. You know, it's amazing. It's like she was this earth-shattering beauty yeah. that George Harrison met on the set of A Hard Day's Night and fell in love with her. And then Eric Clapton met her in the, and then they had an affair. And then eventually mm-hmm. she left George for Eric Clapton, but it did not harm the friendship of George and Eric Clapton. <laughs> they became really good friends. At one point, yeah. I think like they had to write competing songs to see who would get her. And that's a but then if, that's a good natured tiff. <laughs> it is. But then if you if you look at her, pretty. Yeah. But it's you'd expect. But like, like why are you know, people going? It's yeah. not like you know. I can't. I can't even think of an earthly version of a woman that would be. She's not. She's she's pretty. Yeah, it, it's not like you know there were she's pretty. Fuck, it's like she's this, pretty. It's not like they were fucking the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> like, it would come to life and shrink down, bone George Harrison, fly back, stand in front of New York for a day. It's like she's a pretty woman. It's not insanity. It's like yeah, who is yeah. who is? Is there even an example of like 
otherworldly gorgeousness. <laughs> oh, you think you think love is temporary insanity? Like just it's a chemical that's in chocolate, and they're gonna come. They, why aren't they refining like the love pill? Like you know, seven eight years into a marriage, you just you just take that every morning. Yeah, I don't want to get too personal because my wife doesn't have a podcast, so there's no equal time. <laughs> You know, like for a lot of our parents, it wasn't an economic option and it wasn't a societal option. Um, and and right. I can only speak for myself. Like we went, we went shopping for furniture for my house together. <laughs> and we start talking to the salesperson and it's like, well, I'm buying a house. We're getting divorced. Where was the store? And I'll tell you what she's saying. Well, seen. it was in Culver City. Culver City is a, is a uh, God's country. God's country. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you the name of it if you ever want to buy awesome mid-century furniture. Galerie Semelis. Say it again. Galerie Semelis. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I might want some. Janet Varney hipped me to it. Oh, cool. She's my furniture Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> one of her many hidden talents. <laughs> Is that right? Yes, that and she can with one hand strangle a horse of any size. She has... A myriad of talents. I learned that at Santa Anita Racetrack, <laughs> unfortunately. Yes, she lost the trifecta, bounded <laughs> over the transom, and brought down a horse. You've got to cup them right above the Adam's <laughs> apple, and down they go like oh, a man. pile of shit. Taking people for granted is a mm-hmm. huge, at, at least a huge thing. You yeah. should not take your partner for granted right you know what i mean like you gotta work on it every day you have to work on it every day and who wants to work on something every day i've realized that about my career what a pain in the ass the career is it's like really Uh really i should tweet between the hours of two and six (laughs) with the internet this shit never stops like yeah the day never ends right my non-private instagram is woefully (laughs) understaffed and at a certain point, like, I can't, you know, I have four careers as it is. I just can't yeah. keep up. And you just have to, you know, and, and you look at, know, like, man. Elvis and Elvis in 71. Yeah. You know, after the Vegas comeback, when he was just huge. Right. And Huge physically? No, 71, he was oh, okay. amazing. You got to watch Elvis. Okay, when he was uh, in his prime. Yeah. Elvis. Like El- uh, se- I was come- never a huge Elvis guy. Come back, Elvis. There was Elvis okay. in the 50s. Oh, okay. There's three Elvises. Wow, he, four he Elvises. four Elvises. Elvis in the 50s, mm-hmm. who's sort of like... By the way, does this mirror all of our lives, you think, what you're about to say? We, and, <laughs> the, four, the four Elvises of mankind. Oh, yes. Before you go any further. Yes. Are these four Elvises an analogy for all of us? Yes. Go ahead. Elvis in the 50s, who took the world by storm because it was black music with a white face. So people were allowed to listen to it. Gotcha. Elvis in the 60s, which was, he was Lyle Wagner making terrible movies. Terrible movies that I adore. You do? Yeah. And, and. You were a big Elvis fan, huh? uh, Yeah. I love Elvis. And, and those movies were, if nothing else, the source of what I think is Eddie Murphy's funniest bit about how he would just sing his lines. Oh, Elvis, yeah. we gotta win this race. We gotta win. win. <laughs> that is funny. Elvis, what's some lemonade? <laughs> lemonade. <laughs> that cool, that refreshing drink. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, and and while he was doing these these crappy movies, which I love, yeah, the sixties happened. While the Beatles are playing, I am the Walrus. 
Yeah. Elvis is singing, clam bake, gonna have a clam bake. <laughs> like, he, he's just completely miles apart. Checkered flag. <laughs> you know, he's miles apart from what's going on. Boy, that really did divide the people yeah. who did drugs and the people yeah, who didn't really do did. drugs. And then, clam bake, gonna have a clam bake. Not huh. long after that, Elvis quits the movies and decides to have a musical comeback and he goes to Vegas and becomes like what we know of Elvis now with the jumpsuits, but at his height in Vegas, like 1971 Elvis in Vegas. It's the hottest ticket on the planet. Woodstock had come and gone and the the sixties dream was basically over. Elvis was on fire. He was a 32 waist. He was amazing. (laughs) playing the Hilton, everybody in show business. Like you look at the, there's a documentary about it called Elvis. That's the way it is. And you look at the opening night in the Hilton, Cary Grant is in the audience. At that point, Mm -hmm. he just did a show a day. He didn't have to tweet he didn't, oh, he, did he, did yeah. he didn't have to blog. He didn't have to Instagram. Yeah. Going down to going down to breakfast. <laughs> Here's some pancakes. <laughs> Getting ready for the show. Hashtag jumpsuit at the dry cleaners. Like he was just able to live his day. Oh, he didn't, you know. God. You know, I'm gonna do Jerry Lee Lewis's podcast. Then I'm gonna tweet that I'm driving home. I'm gonna Instagram my towel before I get in the shower. Then I'm gonna no. He just did a show, and he was yeah. the biggest thing in the planet. Abe Lincoln built the Transcontinental Railroad and managed the Civil War. <laughs> Didn't tweet Insta- Instagram horribles slash Gettysburg tragedy. You know, <laughs> you know and he was, his history he did have an Instagram. But he was mustacheless. That was him, Abe Lincoln on Instagram. <laughs> Just a closet full of stovepipe hats. That was his icon. <laughs> 47 hats in one closet. But you don't have to do yeah. all of that stuff. You just do what you do and hope people find you. That's all. Even you now. Are you saying that yeah. even now? Yes, even now. Because I tweet, yeah. I, I make my podcast comes out once a month. Right. <laughs> Less so if I'm in the middle of yeah. buying a new mm-hmm, house. Mm-hmm. Um I tweet when I have something funny to say or something to plug. Yeah. I'd never tweet going to buy plums, hashtag Whole Foods, you know? And yeah. Yeah. Uh, people like it. And uh, I'm not the biggest. I'm not the biggest. But right. I'll never be the biggest. I'm fine with it. Right. Well, I think, you know, the trap of it is <laughs> it feels, it just is, the, it feels like when you get into that, tweeting instagrammy facebooky thing it feels like it's a monster that needs to be fed at least in 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 my head if we're talking about musical duos especially musical duos with problems in the getting along department then we have to talk about the leuven brothers the leuven brothers the stage name of real-life brothers Charlie and Ira Loudermilk. They were giants in the world of country music, regulars on the Grand Old Opry during its heyday in the late 40s and 50s. They were God-fearing Southern Baptists who crossed over into mainstream country music from the world of gospel, which is fitting, because the sang like angels. Ira Leuven had originally intended to become a preacher, spreading the good word and the glories of heaven. 
And when you think about the childhood they endured, growing up during the Depression in Sand Mountain, Alabama, it's not hard to see how they would think of heaven. Sometimes life deals you a hand, and the best way to get through the day is to just keep thinking, maybe stuff gets better after we're dead. In his memoirs, Charlie Leuven describes a time when young Ira, who suffered from, well, let's call it impulse control, wanted a persimmon from their father's cherished persimmon tree. But the persimmons were out of reach. So he did what anyone would do. He fetched an axe and chopped the tree down. Charlie writes, Papa never whipped any of the girls, but neither of us boys were strangers to getting beaten, especially Ira. If Papa was calm, just punishing us for doing something that we'd known was wrong, he'd find a hickory limb, about as big around as his thumb, and whip us with it. He called it a width, and it'd wrap all the way around you. It hurt like hell, of course, and you'd scream and holler, but it wouldn't do any real damage. Papa wasn't always calm when he came after Ira to give him a whipping. And when he wasn't calm, he wouldn't wait to find a whip the hickory. He'd beat him with whatever was at hand. Chunk of firewood, piece of furniture, whatever. Ira grew up with a deep and unabiding love of persimmons. And by persimmons, of course, I mean liquor. Charlie writes, It was an ugly thing when Ira drank, and there was no fun in it. He got mean, too. When he drank whiskey, you wouldn't have known it was him except to look at him. The way he talked and acted, you'd see a true Jekyll and Hyde. You couldn't do nothing to please him. Those of us who got the tough end of it learned to just stand aside and pray he didn't notice us. And so they rose to fame, with Charlie Leuven suffering in silence as Ira somehow managed to strike a fine balance between his deep religious faith and his volcanic temper, violent behavior, reckless womanizing, and titanic whiskey consumption. And I'm telling you, you think Keith Richards lives life on the edge? He ain't got shit on Ira Leuven. The deep and profound swings of Ira's personality pendulum were reflected in their work, with traditional gospel songs such as The Christian Life and There's a Higher Power. When burdens seem to overcome that higher Sharing the bill with such dark, delirious gems as The Kneeling Drunkard's Plea, The Drunkard's Doom, Drunkards feature prominently in the Leuven repertoire, Another Favorite, A Heartwarming Hymn, Are You Afraid to Die? But none of these hold a candle to the Leuven's towering achievement, a little ditty called Satan is Real. Satan is real, working. Satan is Real From the album Satan is Real Which has for my dollar The greatest album cover of all time With the Leuven singing Arms outstretched Amidst a sea of flaming brimstone And then Looming behind them A 12 foot cardboard Satan It was designed to be serious But comes across more like a Preschool salute to Ronnie James Dio we can argue till the cows come home as to whether Satan actually is real, but there's no doubt that Ira Leuven had a demon dwelling deep down within. A demon named Sir Whiskey P. Liquor. As their career gained momentum, so did Ira's drinking and rages. They were Elvis Presley's favorite gospel duo, but he never recorded one of their songs. Why? 
because on the first and last night they performed with Elvis, Ira casually called him a rather insulting name, one that rhymed with the last word in the expression, go figure. He would frequently perform drunk pick fights, smash his cherished mandolin. The bigger the opportunity, the better the odds Ira would sabotage it. His brother Charles once opined that he felt guilty for not becoming a preacher, felt that he had turned his back on God, and drank, raged, and sabotaged himself, all in a long, protracted orgy of self-loathing. And that, my friends, is the one kind of orgy you will see me at. Ira had four wives, but it was wife number three, Faye Loudermilk, who took the cake. She could match Ira drink for drink, and when they drank, they would fight. One night, after a disagreement about God only knows what, Ira came to the conclusion that the only way to solve their seemingly intractable dilemma was to strangle Faye with some phone cord. So she did the only thing that seemed reasonable to her at the time. She shot him with a twenty-two. Six times. But Ira did not die. Like Javier Bardem in Skyfall, life clung to him like a disease. Believe it or not, it was Charlie who took more shit than anybody else in this episode for having Faye committed to a mental hospital. Apparently, despite having shot her husband six times, no one thought Faye was nuts. Apparently, Ira was just that much of a bastard. And getting her out of the cuckoo bin took a lot more than getting her in, apparently. Like so many things, getting into the asylum is the easy part. Ira and Faye went their separate ways, as did Ira and Charlie, sadly and eventually. Fed up with his brother's behavior, Charlie lit out on his own. Ira kicked around for a while, but was killed just two years later, in 1965. By, of all things, a drunk driver. Oh, the irony. And if, as Ira so fervently believed, Satan is real then that must mean that God is real too. And if God is real, then perhaps Ira can pull him aside and ask him why, why, after all the close brushes with death, by his own hand or because of his own actions, he was killed by a drunk driver he had not known nor had ever met. And God, in his wisdom, would most probably look down and say unto him, Po Buddies I suppose you are now dying to hear Satan is Real or read Charlie Leuven's excellent, excellent, excellent memoir, also called Satan is Real, and with equally impressive packaging, by the way. Why not go to danagool.com, click on our Amazon banner, and shop away? You get exactly what you want at no extra charge, and we get a little something-something to help keep the lights on. Is it just that easy, you ask? Why, yes, it is, in fact. When it comes to making money, we like to keep things simple. So, after that, when do you realize after something like that, Mm -hmm. that it's fucked you up? Well... Mentally. Yeah, you know... Did you sleep that night? 
I slept that night. You know, sleeping's never been a problem for me, though. No, like, no. I wish I when could I, say that. Well, I mean, I guess it's a problem in the opposite way, in that I can no, sleep that's not a problem. For, for like 48 hours. Oh. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I can slip into comas. Because if I sleep, I don't have to actively experience um, the terror that I'm feeling. Right. <laughs> I think that's called hypersomnia. Is it really? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's a form of it comes from depression. Yeah. Tim Burton used to get it. Oh, interesting. Uh, and it takes weird. away your ability to tell a story. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes you make Johnny Depp wear a funny hat. Yeah. Um. Oh, by the way, <laughs> I, to me, in this, and it has happened, mm-hmm. we're recording this on September 6th. Yeah. It's a, the kids started school on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. To me, mm-hmm. we are now in official pre-Halloween season. Oh, big season. Big season for me. <laughs> Anchoring up to pre-Halloween season. Uh, I went, drove today by a spirit Halloween store. Are those up? Yeah, they're up. They're ready. It makes me so happy. I know. It, <laughs> it, just, it just warms your heart. It does. Yeah. In the spirit store was a lot of Johnny Depp as Tonto costumes that will still be there. (laughs) Well, you know, they had to make these things in the spring. Yeah. And, you know, they knew the movie's coming out, and they're like, this is going to be the hot ticket. Crank them out. This is going to break America. Everyone's going to love it. Yeah, and so, you know, they're like, crank them out, and then they're like, oh, shit, it closed in two days, and now we're stuck. With that will not be a big costume. No, no, I can't imagine it will be. And which means that somehow they're going to, and I'm, I'm convinced that movie was made because Johnny Depp just went, I want to wear a bird on my head. <laughs> like, Go through that pile of scripts and see if there's something that he, he can wear a bird on his head. Here's the, uh, the story of the Depression. Did Herbert Hoover ever have a bird on his head? <laughs> Can we write that in? Maybe it's artsy. <laughs> Maybe uh, the bird could symbolize uh, supply-side economics. <laughs> um, and they're going to have to do something with all of these, or it's going to be one of these things where they just find a way to get rid of them, and in like two years you're going to see like... A lot of ironic tontos. <laughs> or, yeah, or like a flood in the Philippines and all these oh, yeah, people yeah, yeah. in the Red Cross handing out tonto costumes. <laughs> To people that just experience like a flood. And they think because they're primitive that the bird, that they hold on, that the bird will start flying them out of there. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Yeah, I still, I would still venture to guess that uh, Jack Sparrow will be a bigger costume than Tonto (laughs) this year. (laughs) Yeah. I I think Jack Carter will be a bigger (laughs) costume than Tonto this year. Kids with that bad dye job. Complaining that Joey Bishop stole their jokes. <laughs> Joey Bishop stole my best stuff. Trick or treat. Kids love dressing up as Jack Carter. Sure, and doing the voice. <laughs> and the captain, Daryl Dragon. <laughs> oh my god! Now I know it's early. Do you know your costume? Because you, yeah, you I, stole my heart when I you showed me. You. Oh, oh yeah, my Black Dahlia costume. Yeah, I was like, this that we're was, gonna be friends. That was my favorite costume. No, I haven't figured it out this year. Um, I mean, I'm not even close to figuring it out, but I do need to come up with something. I saw one last night online okay. while I was looking for something else. And uh, it's, I tend to go with comfort. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Is, there a, is there a costume that involves me wearing a sweater or a sweatshirt? 
<laughs> like the original Star Trek is, is a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jeans and black yeah. pants and a shirt. Oh, I'm comfortable. Yeah. I don't want to be, a, you know. Experiencing we went, a nightmare the whole night. Yeah, my, yeah, my daughter's friend like three years ago, his parents who are really talented and, and, and smart, but they made him Van Gogh's yeah. self-portrait. And this poor kid had to walk around with a giant painting after three houses. He's like, I'm tired. Like, You're shit out of luck, Oliver. <laughs> it's Halloween. I just, I'm going till the sky turns pink. I don't like costume children in costumes that prove how oh, smart I don't or either. witty the I parents are. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, I, it's I'm with you 100. Irritating yeah. thing. I'm the deficit. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, real cute. I'm Obamacare. Okay. I'm with you 100%. Let your mom but, uh, let you have a childhood. <laughs> this looked a little uh, little wonky, but uh, uh, no face from Spirited Away. If you saw Spirited Away. Interesting. That would be scary for some reason. Is it? Yeah, yeah. it is. <laughs> it's, a little, it's a little bit mm-hmm. scary to see in person. I, I'm not into it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't care for that. Um, no, I haven't thought. I got or just some. I love cross pollen. I saw one year like z- <laughs> zombie Little Mermaid. Okay. Zombie Ariel. I like when people do. Yeah, cross pollinating. I mean, like yeah. vampire the butler. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, God, I guess I have a lot to think. I don't. I tend to go for costumes. Well, Black Dahlia was actually pretty makeup heavy. I right. usually don't go for that. Yeah, that was just I thought it she would, would have needed a lot. She would. Yeah, I know she had a lot to cover. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I had like the huge scars across my mm-hmm. face, and then, but then I kind of I smile and laugh a lot. And, and so Which they is just, why people love you. But they just kept like wrinkling, and it was it was really <laughs> disgusting in person. So, uh, well, again, the photos were better uh, yeah. <laughs> than the actual. Uh, yeah, in, in... <laughs> Your first night, you sleep mm-hmm. well. You're good. Yeah, I go. I go. I do a show. I <laughs> did you talk about it? Yeah, I also like. Destroyed, like I did so well. Like of course I just you did. like yeah. needed, yeah. but I because uh, it was real. I yeah, I you know what I mentioned it really briefly, um, uh, which is that I I made this joke about how I am a workaholic and I go to work on my day off a lot, and I uh, I need to stop doing that because I did that today and I work at Santa Monica College and the whole audience was like, oh, <laughs> 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 and then and then I just tricked them into loving me because of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it felt great. I needed it. I needed uh-huh. it that night. My experience is you can trick someone into loving you for 18 years. <laughs> and then, I guess I and just then need it, to work on my skills it, a little bit. And then it bit. stops. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, and before you know it, there's SWAT team people come into your bedroom and they go, raise your hands and get out of here. <laughs> uh, no, they say put your hands in yeah. the air. Where, oh, sorry. <laughs> Put your hands in the air. <laughs> um, what I, are you doing? I'm, well, I'm trying to care about this. Like you just don't care. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, I slept. Yeah, I did great at my show and just I got a ride home from one of the people on the show. Oh, of course, because your car is in Santa Monica. <laughs> my car was stuck. And then, and then I went home and I slept fine. Slept like a baby. Then, I mean, you know. That might be strong. I was a little anxious, but I I fell asleep okay and got enough sleep. But then the next day, um, the next day and basically the rest of the week, I was like a zombie. I was like nothing. I I couldn't. 
I didn't go back to work that week. Um, and, you know, people did it at their own. We were all told, like, you could do it at your own pace, uh, figure out what's right for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went back. Oh, I'd still be out. Yeah, I went back onto the campus that Monday for the, um, they had a memorial. Like a vigil, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's healthy to do. You need uh, closure. Yeah, and I, like I couldn't do it at first. Like, I, I drove to the campus to, to do it, and then I, like, drove in circles. I kept, like, like shaking my arms as I drove by the well, let's be, parking lot. Let's just shine a light on this one aspect. Okay. If you go to the vigil yeah. and you have conflicted feelings about attending yeah. and you drive in circles in the parking lot, it's understandable. Yeah. If you go to the vigil and think, before I go to the vigil, I'm going to do some donuts. <laughs> that's not cool. <laughs> but they're so fun. <laughs> there, was, there was a thing on The Simpsons. I think Mike Scully wrote it. Like somebody was like, I don't know what it was, Bart or somebody was getting mm-hmm. x-rayed or something. And Homer goes, I'm just going to wait in the parking lot. And then you just cut to <laughs> just doing these horrible donuts, like one after another after another. And the car finally stops and you just hear Homer going, love is a battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that sounds therapeutic though. <laughs> yeah, it does. Oh, sure. Well, stand-up is very therapeutic. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I found... When I had my, uh, um, when I realized earlier in the summer that I was going to have a new address, mm-hmm. um, I started hiking a lot. Oh yeah, yeah. Just like every yeah. day, I would have to walk for about an hour and a half. Yeah. And this, we live near this canyon, and I yeah. would just go up and I burn. I literally burned through a pair of like hiking shoes. Oh and, wow. Through June and July. That is because I just kind of like dig in. Right. And, you know, I listen to. Loud music, yeah, and just just really lean into that. I thing. lean in and I, yeah, I run. I run as much as I can, and then, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm sort of like a billy goat having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> um, sure, but then you're doing like okay, I feel I feel better. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it you have a lot of kinetic better. energy that you have to expend. Yeah, I mean, I and you go through that thing is a different kind of PTSD. Right. Clearly, yours right, is right. much worse. But you then you do go through the stages of like, is this real? Is this happening? Yeah. Did that really happen? Yeah. That did happen. Am I going to wake up? No, that happened. Yeah. Oh my god. It's like confu- It's confusing. <laughs> like life yeah. becomes really confusing. Um, that's how I ended up for the rest of the the rest of that week following. I was like just confused. I was confused all the time. Really? Yeah. Like I, I constantly. I my the like confusion. In like the dumbest things, so I would like park my car somewhere and get out and then look at it, and it was like not a parking space. <laughs> like yeah, you're, I was uh, yeah, because your brain like just scrambled. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is this is like the sidewalk. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> this is a lake. <laughs> um, and I just I couldn't I couldn't get anything done. I was a real yeah. I was well, a it's mess. you're. And did you go to a doctor that said, "Oh, you have post traumatic stress"? Yeah, so I they had crisis cam- counselors for us, um, but it was on the campus, so uh, I was slow going to. <laughs> right, yeah, naturally, yeah. <laughs> um, but first, I went to a crisis, and you had to go by majorette practice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I went to a crisis counselor, 
um, the first day that I went to the campus by myself. Because the, for the vigil, I ended up having to drive down to the... I had a friend that was working at the Apple store at the promenade and I walked in crying and I go, when do you get off work? Will you come with me? And I had to have him drive and then just, um, like just be with me so that I, Mm -hmm. cause then I could, you know, with someone there, I was like accountable and I could like go and do it. But by myself, I was like, I can't, I just can't do it. Sure. Um, and so that helped. Uh, and then like I went back onto the campus uh, toward the end of that week by myself. And I walked around and just like, it just everything was like flooding me with mm-hmm. emotion. And I walked into the crisis counselor office and I'm like <laughs> sobbing. I think like people were not doing this. Like I was looking around and nobody else was acting this way. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, there's something's happening with me. Uh, I'm taking this harder than everybody else. Right. And I walked in and the crisis counselor looks at me and was like, <gasps> <laughs> like takes me into the room and she talks to me for a few minutes and now are these crisis counselors they're how do they get there does the FBI bring them in no so they were provided by the college okay um, and but they are professional guidance they're guidance <laughs> well so some of them were the guidance counselors yeah. from the college maybe like a pamphlet them, yeah for big big rig trucking <laughs> Maybe you like to be a long haul trucker. What? Now the crisis counselors are just hanging around comic book stores. I can't believe Ben Affleck is Batman. All right, talk about your feelings. Um, they, yeah, but they're just, they are, they were like, you know, licensed therapists from like around the area that deal with like crisis and trauma. And mm-hmm. so they, this woman was talking to me and she's like, you know, you sound like. You know, it's fine. Everybody's going to experience this at different levels. And she was like, "I will say, the behavior you're describing, the like confusion and the like apathy, um, is if you continue on that path, those are signs of severe to moderate PTSD. Uh, so keep an eye on it, huh?" And I was like, "Okay." Okay. <laughs> and she was, and then for some reason, I don't know why she thought this would help me, but she was like, here's a planner that will maybe like, if you just write down things you're going to do every day, that'll help. And, um, yes, no, I, again, I'm not in mm-hmm. any way drawing an analogy. Okay. But I was told by a friend of mine, I see on a weekly basis for mm-hmm. one hour. <laughs> sure. A close friend. A close friend. <laughs> He sits in a chair and I sit on a couch. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's just how his living room is set up. <laughs> yes. Um, it's good to, what you don't want to do is become sort of untethered. Yeah. You just, if, yeah. when, you're, when you're that, when you're in sh- shock. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, it's good to like, okay, t- tomorrow at three I have to be here. I yeah. I have a purpose. I have to do this and then I tomorrow I have to do this. Which I... Um, I, that that is the advice that she gave me. Although, yeah. so here was the problem with the planner was it had a photo. So for me in June, it was a lot of tomorrow at three. I'm not going to do the podcast. <laughs> next sure. week at third. Next week at seven. I'm not doing the podcast. Sure, sure. Uh, we all notice. No. <laughs> yeah, I, believe me. I believe me. I heard. Very nice though. Not nice to be wanted. <laughs> um, well, nice but- to be wanted. Hint, hint. <laughs> You know who I'm talking to. I know you still listen. <laughs> um, this planner that this woman gave me, though, had like a photo of the library on it, which is where the shooting happened. And so, and she kind of. And then like, the Texas School Book Depository right. on the back cover. 
<laughs> she kind of like laughed. She was like, oh, if you can handle looking at the library. And I was like, um, like this makes me want to cry. Yeah. <laughs> like looking at this photo. And she was like, it'll, it'll be good for, it'll be helpful. And uh, that was the last time yeah. I went to one of those yeah. counselors. <laughs> My advice to you would be to not watch The Matrix. I mean, <laughs> hey, could you not? So, like, you were talking about like Breaking Bad. Can you not watch like movies with gunfire? Are you slowly? I I don't think I can. I so I I watched. I went to see Superman um, with a friend, right. which I was. I'm. I mean, I I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't. I didn't right. care. To, you mean you didn't care if General Zod won? <laughs> <laughs> or Superman one. I just, you didn't care. I was indifferent to all of it. I think it's interesting that Superman clearly killed about a quarter of a million people. That was crazy. But and only got upset when General Zod died. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, you people are like ants. But he's something. I was, so um, my friend invited me to a movie and we went and saw this movie and like the trailers started and there was like a trailer for one of those like the White House is blowing up movies right. that came out this summer. Well, there was a movie somewhere called Two Guns. Yeah. Why, why don't they just gun fuck? You know, <laughs> Frank Conniff, TV's Frank of Mystery Science Theater mm-hmm. used to, like every movie basically boils down to kill fuck. <laughs> That's every movie. That is true. Yeah. And, but so like in the these trailers were starting and I like the second gunfire started, like I could feel my eyes welling up, and I was like, "Oh shit, I can't do this." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't, I thought I would. Yeah. I thought maybe I'd I'm going like, to go watch Behind the Candelabra again. Zone out for a while, um, but I I wanted to be able to, so I stayed for the whole movie. But like for about an hour of that movie, I was just like looking down, like quietly crying. Uh, well, a lot like, of okay. you weren't the only one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, lucky for me, it yeah. was that movie and so many nerds. Yeah, that's how Bob Iger was we at The Lone all... Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> that is about as inside of a joke as there's ever been on this show. <laughs> Bob Iger, CEO of Disney. <laughs> but um, the other thing that happened was I went to... That's a really obnoxious, I, went... I just said. <laughs> I went to... Um... I went to a, um, there was a stand-up show that I went to, and it was like their last one. There was a, this show that they were, these four guys run, it, and they were like skater guys, and they were having their last one. Uh, and I went, and it was really crowded, so they made you, they made me sit on the stage toward the back, <laughs> and, I, and like with like twenty people, like we were all in there, and it was very hot and crowded. Had to sit on the stage, and um, and then they did this gag in the middle of the show where um, someone came out and they told the story about the first time that this guy did this. Um, he, they shot him with paintball gun, like a paintball gun from the sound booth during the show, and haha, wasn't that funny. And now let's reenact it by all taking a shot from a paintball. Oh, gee. And, and I was sitting on the stage, and they pull out a paintball gun, and I was like, oh, no, I do not know what to do right now. And I was just, I just looked down. I was, like, panicking. I didn't know, I, did, I had no idea what to do because I was on the stage, too. Right, you're like, on the stage. The only way out was, like, across the stage. And then, and they were already, like, one person, so one person goes and stands against the back of the stage, which was, like, three feet away from me. And the other person stands at the front of the stage with the paintball gun, and they shoot the person standing on the back of the stage. And, like, 
I was like, okay, well, it's paintballs, and I know all these people, and it's fine. Like, and I was like talking myself into it, mm-hmm. and then the first shot happens, and I just start crying. <laughs> I was like, no, I can't do it, and like, and I just like looked down and closed my eyes, and I was like, okay, I have to just wait for this to be over. There's four of them, and then it'll be over. And I looked across the stage, and a friend of mine was sitting there, and he started mouthing to me, "You're okay," because he knew what was happening. There were like mm-hmm. two people in the building that knew what was happening. Right. And he was like, you're okay. And I was like, no. <laughs> and like, and then my body started shaking, like hard, like the hardest. Right, yeah, yeah. And, and then the, I just looked down and like kind of power through it. The second it's over, I get up and I bolt and I run into the backstage. And there was this comedian standing there. This guy, he was, this was like, the, he was so sweet to me because he was the only other one. Um, his name's Dan Telfer and he, he like put his hands on my shoulder and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, no. <laughs> and he was like, get, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and he kind of like ushered me out and I, I just like bolted and then I was like, I can't, <laughs> what is happening to yeah, me? Well. <laughs> I huh. thought I was safe at a show. <laughs> no, yeah. no. I think people are like that when they're in a place that has a comedy show. Yeah. <laughs> Like when they're just at the laundromat and suddenly somebody starts an open mic. And you're like, no! What is happening? Yeah. I thought I was safe doing laundry. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to be at a show. People shouldn't have stand-up inflicted upon them. <laughs> um, that, was, that was the worst of it. Like After that, I really took it easy for a long time and I just stopped going places until right. I could feel a little better. And, and things haven't triggered it a ton since... Except for Breaking Bad, which totally triggered it. Right. Because the, the experience they show her having is like such a direct parallel to my experience of like uh-huh. being underground and then hearing everything and going upstairs. Mm-hmm. That I was watching it with a bunch of friends and I just had the same reaction. Like I started crying and I was like, oh, I thought, oh, oh, I thought I could handle. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, that was exquisitely tailored. I, that, it, was, it was amazing that it was. Rock your world. Pretty much my exact thing. Right. And, I, and I wondered if it. I didn't know, I don't think anybody else from the college like or from KCRW had experienced that with Breaking Bad. I know we're all watching Breaking Bad. Right. <laughs> Nobody else said anything. Oh, that's funny. That's so weird. Yeah. Um, outside of that, anything else this summer? <laughs> no, no. That was it. That was my thing. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. One story. <laughs> All that stuff was going on. Where was Sinatra in that? Sinatra Live at the Sands came out the same year as Revolver. You know, like wow. he was just, the, the Rat That's... Pack was still at high dudgeon, 64, 65, 66, which is like the, the ascent of the Beatles. The Rat Pack is, they're there. They're just playing to their audience. Right. It's, so it's generational it's stuff. Gener- it's a generational thing. Sinatra in 66 was, that was an amazing show. He was at the Sands Hotel with Count Basie. Right, right. Because I've been reading, I'm reading right now a biography of uh, Tony Bennett. And oh, yeah. Tony Bennett was one of these guys who was not an envious dude. He just was like, Sinatra's the best. And the polar opposite of Tony Bennett, Buddy Rich. Oh, is that right? Yeah, because there was whatever the, whatever. Buddy Rich was, the drummer? Yeah, whatever was the band. Right, big band. That, yeah, I think it was Gene Krupa was the drummer, and he became a big star, and then Gene Krupa left the band and then went off to be on his own. Yeah, And then they hired this other drummer, Buddy Rich, and Buddy Rich was like, now this is my turn. I'm going to be a big star. And at the same time they hired a drummer, they hired a singer, 
this guy Frank Sinatra. Oh, okay. and Frank Sinatra took off, and Buddy felt like that Frank took his spot, and for the Buddy was just driven by rage for the rest of his was life. Was this the Count Basie Orchestra, by the way? I don't think it was the Count Basie Orchestra. Okay. I think it was. Not Glenn Miller, so, yeah. but so some he older. was driven by rage. Yeah, he yeah. was driven by rage. And the famous tapes of Buddy Rich yelling at his band, which I'm sure you've heard oh, yeah. heard of. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's an old joke about Buddy Rich that uh, after he passed away, like a guy would call his wife in Palm Springs, "Is Buddy there?" I'm sorry, Buddy's dead. Oh, click. Next day, hi, is Buddy there? I'm sorry, Buddy's dead. Oh, click. Next day, is Buddy there? Why do you keep calling? I'm sorry, I just can't hear it enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great joke. Yeah. Clam bake. Gonna have a clam bake. He'd just sing about it. Because Sinatra was a rock star, too. I mean, huge. Big time. Yeah. And then his daughter was huge. I forgot. Nancy. These boots are made for walking. Nancy had a bunch of hits. You Only Live Twice. I remember that one. These boots are made for walking. You remember You Only Live Twice? It's the James Bond. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was her. Oh, that was her. Yeah, that's Nancy Sinatra. Yeah, his kid, though. Sinatra's kid didn't do too well. Well, what? Frank Sinatra Jr. Frank Sinatra Jr. Can you imagine trying to fill that that, slot? That name is an act of child abuse. (laughs) Yes. It really is. Why do you just call him Me the Lesser? That is a horrible name. Oh, man, you're right. Yeah, it's a brutal thing. John Lennon Jr. It's, oh, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Julian was close enough. It should have been like Hank. It should have been Frank Smith. Yeah, Hank yeah. Lennon. Well, that's how I like. Uh, Gus, Gus Lennon. Gus Lennon. <laughs> how you doing? But if you just did something totally different. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the best underwater welder you're going to meet. <laughs> I'm the Beatles of underwater welding, you know. Somewhere yeah. out there is the Beatles of underwater welding, you know. <laughs> is it, that's, that's the definition of like the. Hey, best but you that can is be. a true thing, though. That everybody has their little circle of fame. I no love matter it. what the fuck they do. Yeah, there's a guy who does, you know, uh, molding around windows who gets mm-hmm. so much pussy. Finish you molding. know what I mean? Finish molding. Sure. Who is like a pussy magnet? You know that kind of thing. What the fuck, what the fuck do you think is going on here? Too many fucking days off, and you think this is the game? You think I'm the only one that's going to work out there while you motherfuckers sit out there and cram all over this fucking joint? What do you think this is, anyhow? What kind of play do you think this is? What kind of miscues do you call this? My dad hated, hated rock and roll. I, I, I was so into the Beatles when they came out and he was just click off the radio. He was a classical music guy, which I now appreciate. Sure. But he was brutal. Like he didn't let me go. I, I like it. He was like, come on, this is garbage. <laughs> he was like Walter, Walter Matthau in the odd couple. This is garbage. I don't want to speak in absolutes, but I think that everyone agrees that all classical music is terrible. <laughs> 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 it's so funny how it depends on the mood I'm in with classical. There are times when I'll have classical music on the car and just go, what is this morbid shit? Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to hear someone go, the reason I love you, the reason I love you. Yeah, <laughs> I have, as I get older, I've developed a visceral hatred of Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> like I'll punch the oh. dashboard. If I was living in like New York in 1967 or 68, 
I would, Vietnam, Greenwich Village. But I would be so crazily just the, the culture was so explosive and exciting, yeah. so much fun to be had. And you read your <laughs> Emily Dickinson, and I, my Robert but Frost. Fuck you! <laughs> Cheer up, you douchebag! Fuck you! I fucking hate that shit. I have to confess, and I we went. We note through. our place with bookmarkers that measure what we've lost. Fuck you! God damn it! I hate that self-piteous, ponderous bullshit. God damn it! Paul, Fuck you. Paul Simon then burst onto the world music scene after that stuff. Yes. And it was like, Diamonds on the Souls of a Which shoe. I love. Great album. Graceland, yeah. great album. Yeah, yeah. I, a lot more upbeat. Great album. Yeah, it's just like this every song. Can, oh, <laughs> and just the bullshit about poetry. I read my Robert Frost. Oh, suck a dick. I grew Jesus up in a Christ. depressive household, so I did like that. <laughs> Excuse oh, I, me. I, I did like that lot. music for a while. Like, yeah. hello, darkness, my old yeah, friend. Cut good, to me masturbating. Song. You that's know what I mean? That's a great song. Sounds of Silence is a is a yeah. is a classic song. But does every <laughs> I know fucking song and you and they can I be know. down, but they could have can they have some humor? Like the Smiths have really dark ponderous songs, but they're funny. Now that's they're also the Smith songs are. Our ho- girlfriend in a coma, I know, <laughs> I know it's Syria. I mean, it's funny. Yeah. You know, I love The Cure. The Cure is really downbeat stuff. Yeah. They also have just, yeah. I don't know, maybe it's just a personal taste. And that's funny because. that affected, somber, Smith no, I College. I know. I was into that for a while back then when I was completely depressed. But Paul Simon, speaking of guy, he does have a sense of humor. I mean, that guy, yeah. he's got a big sense of humor, Paul yeah. Simon. You know, he's so that's best what, friends with Lauren Michaels, who has been photographed mm-hmm. next to many comedians. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't. I just cannot. Funny that you have that vitriol for Simon <laughs> and Garfunkel. Not yeah, it, they're both lovely people. I'm sure they're both <laughs> the nicest people on earth. But that. Are you going to Scarborough <laughs> Fair? Like people who wear scarves when it's not cold. Oh, you don't remember though. At the zoo, the monkey stands oh. for honesty. Right. Giraffes are insincere, and the elephant. You know what I mean? That was their funny twee. stuff. Twee, twee, w t w e e. I find it twee. What is twee? Just it's so cool. Oh yeah, precious. yeah, 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 yeah. Monkey, have you ever been a toaster in a a toast uh, in a toaster? I wish no. I, I even know it. Ease myself yeah. down. Coming up right. <laughs> Old Roger drive Dodger tripping down the basement door. Everybody knows what he's tiptoeing down there for. And there was a. Here's the worst one. Here's the worst one. Are you ready? This yeah. is just gouge yeah. my eyes yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Old friends oh. sit on their park bench <laughs> like, like bookends. The reason I'm cr- how terribly strange to be seventy. Not really. <laughs> Not really. I gotta tell you though, that was the song when I broke up with a woman and I was with for seven years. For I don't know a month, I was listening to old friends. You know how you obsess on one song that yes. says it, that puts you in the place you want to yes. wallow when you're going through yes. a, an intense. For me, that song was a brilliant mistake from Elvis Costello's King oh, of America. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was old friends. How pathetic is that? That actually took me into a psychotic place. <laughs> actually, the guy, the guy who kept those women prisoner in his basement when he, when he hung himself, he was playing old friends. But they thought he might have been hanging himself just because of the music. Art Garfunkel was in 
He was there. He was doing it live. There's the definition of a guy who can dish it out and can't take it. He keeps people. No, the guy that kidnapped those women. (laughs) I thought it was Art Art Garfunkel. Garfunkel. No, Ariel Castro keeps women prisoner in his house for whatever, 11 years. He's in prison for 30 days and he can't take it. He sucks the pipe. Sucks the pipe. Yeah. Pussy. (laughs) Pussy, exactly. Coward. Hi, coward. How's it going, coward? (laughs) That's what they say. That's what he says in L now. Hitler Hitler sees him every day. Hello, coward. How are you, coward? (laughs) Oh, look at the coward. Hitler actually, after Germany lost the war, he he didn't last very long. He didn't want to go through. He didn't want to go through any kind of (laughs) downtime. No, because that we were talking about how brutal his business is. We're talking about how brutal show business is, which naturally leads to the fall of the Third Reich. (laughs) Continue. I'm listening. No, I mean the the tough people in this business are the people who endure. Yes, and, yes, and Hitler. Absolutely. Hitler could never have been in show. But I mean, no, he was on a high there yeah. for a while. He got can- <laughs> and when he got canceled, when he got canceled, yeah. he he just took his life. Yeah, that's true. Did that, and but I love he did. He really took the coward's way out. Totally. You know who has more balls than Hitler? Somebody I really fucking admire. Warren Littlefield? No, I can, yes. Mm. I can hear who? people switching up. Hillary Clinton. Oh, yeah. We well, mean that she, she was stuck supposed around? to be president. Yeah. It was yeah. hers. And Barack Obama came out of nowhere and mm, just cleaned mm, her fucking clock. clock. Yes, and that was a big humbling. That was which, a big by humbling. the way, that that's all life is is a big yeah, humbling. It's a big humbling. That's all it is. It's a big humbling. All political careers end in defeat, but she did mm-hmm, not mm. stay bitter, disappear. She was pissed off for a while, I'm sure, deservedly so. Went back to work, did an amazing job. But- but come on, don't you think, and I don't know if this takes away from what you're saying, she's got that long game plan. She's she exactly in it I mean. for that long game. Sure. I, you know? But that's the whole she point. She still wants to be president. Absolutely. And, and probably, you think she might be? I don't know. She, she could be. be. If, if Here's my political yeah. prediction. Yeah. Way far away. Yeah. If Chris Christie... Can get the Republican. We're talking about that guy. If Chris Christie can get the Republican nomination, which I don't think he can, Mm. because Republican primary voters are in that extremely far right Tea Party frame of mind, and they don't want to let a moderate like Chris Christie in. They're really into party purity now. In that's what fucks them now. Yes, and it's what it's what fucks the fuck the Democrats in the seventies, right? Um, And it's and, and they're doing it now. If he can get the nomination, I think he would win. Otherwise, I think it's hers. Interesting, but, but who, I, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I know you don't really want to talk about this in depth, neither do I. But who who would beat her as a Republican? I, Chris Christie, I think, could beat her. I do. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, you just said that. Yeah, yeah, he could. <laughs> I'm still back at old friends. Yeah. <laughs> oh, why did you bring that? Up? <laughs> oh. I just see. So, I just oh, see and the art. worst one. Yeah. Silent night. <laughs> Bombs fell in Vietnam today. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The president says, get ready for seven more years of war. Oh, <laughs> fuck you! But, but going back to what you were talking about, wasn't that part of the folk when folk stuff was really fucking So on the hot. nose, but it's so on the That's not a better song than Masters of War. 
There's a better oh, song. Oh, that's the You know best. what I'm saying? I still I, sing I couldn't Mastiff. be a bigger I couldn't be a bigger Dylan fan. I'm not saying I don't like folk music. I just don't like mm. is and and you know, again, Dylan funny. A funny guy. Sharp, funny. Yeah. On his new album, he has a great line. You have the same eyes your mother does if only you knew who your father was. <laughs> have you seen him live recently at all? Uh, I saw him live. Uh, it was a while ago. Yeah. I, 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 he, he now, especially now that he's physically become Vincent Price. I really <laughs> oh, want to yes. see him more. Yes. And the yeah, last time I tried to, I tried to sing a song called Mozambique. It's from the Desire <laughs> album. <laughs> I'd like to spend some time in Mozambique. The sunny skies are aqua blue. He There's never lots t- of pretty girls in Mozambique. <laughs> you can stay a week or two or maybe fall in love. Just me and you. Vincent Price sings Mozambique from the Desire album. Dylan is touring with Peter Cushing. <laughs> At this point, Peter Cushing's kid, Ned. Ned Cushing. <laughs> Ned Cushing. And Bob Dylan. <laughs> he I really, lo- Dylan he really is like the like one so... He does though, I, because the last time I saw him, it, it was a while ago, maybe a few years ago. He had a, and I just love Dylan so much. As do I. And uh, he came out in a white suit with a white fucking fedora, and he yes. had that gaunt face. Yeah. And he doesn't talk much to the audience. So I'll just say, "This is what I think you're gonna like." <laughs> like that's it. You're like, so yes. Great. Yeah, he's just got cast oh. iron grapefruit balls. Fuck. Um, Tishon Shannon. Do you know Tishon Shannon? I sure do. I just worked with him. Uh, he, uh, we went to the last Dylan concert. Uh, oh, you did? Him. Yeah, he knows more about Dylan than anybody. Yeah. And uh, he oh. like, knows guys in, like, the, in his band and stuff. Uh, cool. And uh, he says that you've got to learn all the songs, and he'll just change everything up, you know, and he'll just go. Uh, the arrangement. The yeah, arrangements are always different. Yeah, and he'll just go, uh, let's do uh, leopard skin, pillbox hat, but let's do it in D. And uh, Arnie, why don't you start us? Yeah. This he is on that, stage huh? at the show. Yeah, this is not in the run through. This is in the. Well, he's been doing these songs for like 100 years, so yeah. he needs to like switch them up. Yeah. That's why I'll change pronouns on some of my older stuff. <laughs> on, on, his, uh, on his theme time radio uh, show, uh, Bob Dylan's theme time radio hour. Tom Waits would send him cassettes. Another guy that I, I love. And, oh. and and Tom Waits, you know, again, I acknowledge acquired taste. Yeah. You know, because for every great song, there's a couple of just go, <laughs> I don't know what he's singing about. I, I, I think he's reciting directions to tomato bisque. And you cut up the onions and you put it in the sauce and a low simmer, two hours, 45 but don't let the onions rise to the top. But if you're white and you hear that, you're like, this guy is so fucking cool. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't. I own everything he does. Me I own too, every out. Yeah. Hookers um, with names like Jelly Donuts. I was yeah. hooked after that. Oh, yeah. The, um, uh, that's from uh, Ninth and Hennepin from Rain Dogs. Mm. Oh, yeah. I know it. You know your Tom Waits. I bought the I bought the deluxe version of Bad as Me. I'm a fan. Ooh. I make I love if I must. What do you think of him in the movies? I adore him. He's in the pretty movies. good, right? He's the, that's the kind of career I want. Like yeah. when he he's the best thing. Yeah. In uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, he's the best thing in that movie. Just a weird, interesting little character part. Yeah. On Bob Dylan's Theme Time Radio mm-hmm. Hour, 
his radio show. Does he still have? I don't know this hour. No, they I did. I think they did a hundred of them. Okay, and did it. But you can. I have them all. I'll give them to you. They're mm. amazing. It's not Bob's music. It's just Bob. It would. It, it's. Oh, it's a theme. Like yeah. it would be. You know. Uh, this. This show was heavily influenced by uh, Theme Time Radio Hour. It was. Uh, they would have a theme like. Uh, you know. Uh, summer, and it would be an hour's songs about summer. But they'd be songs you've never heard of. You know, it'd be like old songs. I want to hear this. Oh, it's it's just amazing. Eddie Gorodetsky produced it, which is how I wow. um, get these stories. But um, he would. Tom Waits literally would send Bob Dylan cassettes. Like he has a boom, like to, to Tom Waits, like the boom box is the greatest invention in history. And he would literally send Bob cassettes like, Bob, I, I learned something really interesting about crows. And then he would talk about crows for like two minutes. And Bob would play these on theme time radio hour, but he would never say, I got a cassette from Tom Waits. He would always like, I was buying a ladder at the hardware store and I bumped into Tom Waits. Like he would always put himself in this really oh, mundane. Is that right? Yeah. I was, I was buying, I was, I was buying, like, I was buying a backpack at uh, Eastern Mountain That's Sports. So funny. Yeah. And, uh, so funny. And you know, to, to, the thing about all of the people that we're talking about, mm-hmm. they do what they do and they don't have a partner to go to war with. They don't. Oh, right. That's right. A la stand-up comedians. Yeah. It was never Dylan and Oates. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> they did what they did, yeah. Dylan's still doing it. So is Tom Waits. Yeah. See? They, well, that's the other great thing about when you're a solo performer. You, you really can't break up with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Garfunkel, though, is still walking across Japan. <laughs> he does shit like that. Like, yeah. You just hear about Art Garfunkel is walking across Japan <laughs> this decade, like for an entire decade. <laughs> and just think about Art Garfunkel. How many times does this happen? He's walking through a town. People see him. They approach him. They say, are you who I think you are? He goes, oh, yeah, I am. What are, you, what are you doing here? Well, I walk now. That's this big thing. I'm walking across the country. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. I grew up with you. Oh, that's really sweet. Now, Moe and Curly, are they alive? (laughs) This has been the Dana Gould Hour, brought to you by the Internet. Music by Andy Paley, with Jake Posner behind the board. Produced by Jeff Fox. Graphic design and web production by Spencer Hunt and Segan Friend. Sound editing and post-production by Jalinda Palmer and Joe Napolitano. Hey, if you like the show, why don't you drop us a line at show at danagould.com. Tom Kenny speaking. I'm the Beatles of underwater welding.